Hey everybody, you're listening to Canary Cry Radio, and my name's Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode 137, On Our Way to Heaven. Basil? Oh, you did it. I was going to do something like that. I'm going to let you have this one, Gons. Well, I, I figured I'd just take care of it. You did it. You did it good. Um, welcome back, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the past few episodes, and we are back with another awesome one. Gons, you want to tell us about uh, our guest today? Yeah, it's Melissa, half of Truth Stream Media on YouTube, and uh, it was a great conversation. We covered a lot of topics, but uh, Melissa does share a lot of her personal journey here, her faith journey, and uh, I think it is very interesting to hear her talk about that stuff in light of the research that she has been doing for years. So um, it's definitely one of those good conversations, Basil, that uh, I think will edify a lot of people uh, coming from whatever angle you're coming from. So That's right. It was really cool to hear her uh, her testimony and her faith journey. And True Stream Media, they have a film that, or they created a film that you have been talking about for quite a while. And uh, it was awesome hearing all about it from her. And I think you guys are going to love it too. The film is called Minds of Men. It's a documentary available, um, and we give all the links and things like that. So get ready for that. But, uh, you know, Guns, I got to say, Mr. Age of Deceit, man, you're working on Age of Deceit 3, Minds of Men. It's giving you a run for your money. Yeah, well, what I'm doing is pretty amateur compared to what Melissa and Aaron Dykes are doing over there at Truth Stream Media. But they covered things that, that I think need to be talked about. And, and look, the film is not, you know, strictly a Christian film or anything like that. So it's it's very friendly to the secular crowd. And so I think it's important for people to to pick it up and just have it in their library um, because, you know, not, not just to look over the information, but uh, to be able to share it with friends and family. It is a long film, but uh, if you, you know, it's one of those topics where you go down that rabbit trail and, uh, you know, there's really no turning back. And once you see the world through that, it's like, well... Yep, it's happening all around us at a very, very rapid pace. And, and some very deep reporting as well. I mean, they did uh, a, a lot of research and, I mean, almost like real reporting. Um, to- <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's very, yeah, no, they're, they're professional at what they're doing. And, it, yeah, it, and, you know, a lot of people hear MK Ultra and, and, you know, they think, oh, yeah, I know about that. You know, I heard about that or I've studied that. Uh, but they definitely took it to the next level. So it's definitely yeah. worth your time. And she tells us some very interesting stories from the process of gathering that information that I think you guys are going to be very interested in as well. And so stick around here. We're just going to do a, a quick little moment before we jump into the interview. Hey, we still got our Facebook community popping off, everybody. We're, uh, we're over 1,500 members. So if you're Ooh. sitting there, you're listening to this, and you were thinking, man, I wish I could connect with 1500 people who like the same weird stuff that i do you can head to facebook.com slash canary cry community hook up with all the canarians there it's it's a good spot it's a good mix you've got uh the you know the people posting links and asking questions and starting discussions about the types of topics that we talk about on the show. And there's a good mix of humor and cat memes and memes, memes, and all sorts of good stuff. It's uh, it's a very eclectic group. It's a good place to go have fun. And 
If you haven't done it yet, I know you haven't. Some of you out there, some of you have. But uh, Gonza and I do another weekly show. So if you're not getting enough Canary Cry Radio, I highly recommend people go check out Canary Cry News Talk. It's a short show, which I know people people fall on both sides of the argument on whether that's a good or a bad thing. I'll tell you this. Most people want it to be longer. So that should give you a good sign. Hey, it's worth 29 minutes of your week. So go check that out. You know, we're doing live streams. We've got bonus content uh, coming out for Canary Cry News Talk. It's a good time. I recommend everybody do it. Maybe you get enough of Basil and Gons, but if you got room for a little more, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, just an extra little thing for your news consumption that, you know, we're not going to talk about all the political stuff, but, you know, we'll cover topics that those outlets might not so that's right and a lot of people are you know a lot of people make comments like "Ugh, i don't need to hear more about trump or i don't need to hear more about the caravan we rarely talk about trump and i don't think we've ever talked about the caravan we're talking about all sorts of fun stuff that you're not going to hear anywhere else and you get it uh you know from the 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 twisted perspective of Basil and Gons from Canary Cry Radio. So enjoy that Canary Cry news talk. You can find it on all your podcatchers. Also, Gons, I want to yeah. tease a little something for you. Yeah, I have recently been spending time uh, with a good friend and uh, very smart person. Um, putting together another podcast. Can you imagine? Oh, oh. I know. More podcasting. I'm not going not gonna to give you all the details, but this one's a little bit more straight-laced, but it's uh, it's going, th- well, let's say it's Bible-based, and it is friendly to your normal Christian friends. <laughs> and you are going to love it, and they're going to love it. I'm very excited about it. We'll be putting more information out about it in coming episodes, but look forward to that somewhere around January. Yeah, we need to be stimulating all parts of the brain. That's right. We don't have to be, you know, talking about UFOs all the time, Gons. Well, I mean, uh, what other context is there? <laughs> <laughs> also, just a reminder, everybody, the Joy Spiracy Theory, one of my other podcasts, you're loving it. You're loving it. I know you're loving it. A lot of you are. Some of you haven't checked it out yet. And look. I know what you're thinking. It's not what you think. It's better than you think. Check it out. The Joy Spiracy Theory on all your podcatchers. And always, always remember, Face Like the Sun YouTube channel. Um, yeah. Also, real quick. Oh, should I say more about Face Like the Sun? It's great. It's fantastic. Age of Deceit <laughs> 3 no, got was, fi- uh, is just breached 5 million views. I can't believe it. Continuously living in the shadow of that beautiful masterwork of my friend and partner, Gons. Um, so go subscribe if you haven't yet. You got to do it. I was going to say that, that you're probably not going to see a video from the channel uh, until the trailer for the documentary and then the do- and. And then the documentary itself, because uh, I'm going into that, you know, the disbelief and depression phase, you know, where it's like, really, <laughs> just people are like, man, it's really not going to happen. Uh, the channel's Talk dead. About you know? age, age of deceit, because you're working. Yeah, you're I'm, working trying to, hard. I'm trying to really grind out and, and just really knock it out. It's 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 a it's a large piece of content. No time, no time for little videos when you got to finish Age of Deceit three. 
the, the to finish off the trilogy. You know what's crazy is when you sit there and work on it for like you know you get a, you get a solid four or five hours in and you progress about four seconds in the film. Yeah, I was gonna You're say like oh, it's gosh. a long process. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that if uh, if the face like the sun channel seems a little quiet over there, that's why. Yeah. Also, hey, this show is only possible because of listeners just like you heading to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash canary cry radio. And here's the thing. We're all tired of hearing podcasters talking about their Patreon page. But here's the thing. We got to do it because <laughs> it's the only it. way that this keeps going. And there's there's a bunch of you out there and you're saying, well, I'm so glad somebody else is supporting Canary Cry Radio's <laughs> Patreon page. Here's the key. They're not. We're waiting for you. So <laughs> well, if you're we, we sitting support there, people too. Just just to be transparent here, I have a, a list of people that I support on my through my uh uh, my Patreon account, you know, it's something Mr. that we have Money to do. Bags over here supporting Patreons <laughs> of Money creators <laughs> and content creators oh, yeah. that he loves. Re- yeah, really shuffling around those bags of, you know, a dollar or <laughs> no. two at a time, you know, but it makes a difference. Even a dollar or two at a time. And we have some of the best listeners and some very generous listeners. And thank you to all you Patreon supporters. And uh, Gons, you and I have been picking up on the bonus content lately. We now have a weekly schedule coming out with bonus content for our uh, patreon.com slash canarycryradio. And we're live streaming while we're recording our bonus content. So that's right. You get on there, you get on the Discord channel, and you can listen to Gons and I live, interact with us during our bonus episode recordings. And as soon as we finish working out some gremlins in the system, we're hoping to get some listeners to come on to our bonus content. It's a great place to interact with us. And and Gons and I just... Uh, you know, we <laughs> that's kind of where we let loose. You get to hear about the t- the stuff that Gons and I talk about when we're not interviewing some much more professional and accomplished person on our podcast. <laughs> well, we come come into it without uh, any plans, although we do have plans to have some plans at some point. Yep, that's right. And also, Patreon supporters, you've been waiting. Just letting you know here, the extra special canary cry radio episode that cannot be heard anywhere else is going to be coming out soon on the patreon uh, patreon channel patreon what is it patreon.com it's just called a patreon anyways that's enough talk about patreon but go to patreon.com slash canary cry radio get into it people it's a great place to go lots of fun stuff gons is there anything else uh, I think that's it although I, I to bring it all back around and launch into the episode here uh, this conversation took place before um, Truth Stream Media published their video on unicorns. Did you see that one, Basil? Did you catch the video? No, on I didn't catch it. So, yeah, you, I mean, people know what I'm talking about. It really went viral. At last I looked, which was several days ago, it had like half a million views or something. So, wow. Um, but definitely, man, when you see that video, you will look around and just unicorns everywhere. I think we talk, we talk about unicorns a little bit in this we podcast. Do, we do because she was putting the video together in oh, you know, during you guys the conversation. Uh, but yeah, it just uh, yeah, it all connects. It all connects back to uh, the the Rothschilds and everything. Okay, yeah, time to go. 
Okay, let's get into it, people. This is it. The moment you've been waiting for. I'm not <laughs> stalling any longer. This is Melissa from Truthstream Media. You have a lot to think about. You've seen much hidden evidence the American public has never seen. So why do you think I should work for the National Security Agency? Well, you'd be working on the cutting edge. You'd be exposed to the kind of technology that you wouldn't see anywhere else because we've classified it. Super string theory, chaos math, advanced algorithm. Tonight we report on a secret CIA research project in which mental patients felt they were used as the CIA's guinea pigs. They kept you asleep for 23 days and while I was asleep they were shocking the heck out of me with electric shocks. The CIA was interested in, in Dr. Cameron's work on psychic driving because it could give them an idea of where the personality could break or be stressed. The, those of us who were involved with trying to find out something about brainwashing, yes, this is, uh, this is the reason that we were interested in Dr. Cameron's work. For those of us in brain research who are beginning to think beyond behaviorism, the findings in these patients narrow down somewhat the search for that number one enigma, the nature and localization of the conscious mind. The results seem to pin down our conscious functions to those upper regions above the brain stem and the cerebellum. It looks now as if consciousness in man can be tied to the living, alert brain in action. I just can't agree with colleagues who insist that our conscious experience is only a mere passive byproduct of the work of the brain. If Dr. Sperry is right, the conscious mind of man is brought back into the physical world. Its powers will be fully stretched if it's ever to understand itself. But this ambitious scientific enterprise is well begun. The aim isn't to degrade mind to matter, but to upgrade the properties of matter to account for mind, and to tell how, from the dust and water of the earth, natural forces conjured a mental system capable of asking why it exists. This is Canary Cry Radio. Welcome to episode number 137. Yeah, add that all together and it's 11 and Illuminati. Hmm. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, the, the 11 happens to be a somewhat appropriate since uh, Jesus said at the end of Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The burden of knowing what's coming is something that's not meant for us to fully take on. It's just way too heavy. But as we find ourselves dead smack in the prophetic days mentioned in the ancient scriptures, the reality of the situation will become more and more unavoidable. If we continue on this trajectory of technological progress and cultural dissemination of ideas like transhumanism, our children will likely see people whom we currently consider public figures or celebrities or athletes being kept alive by interfacing with the AI. Websites will become obsolete, replaced by virtual worlds where anyone can be God and anyone who is plugged in can visit. Enhanced communities will create political, military, geographical, geopolitical, and numerous other unforeseeable tensions that will likely lead us to what Jesus said will be the days that, if they are not shortened, no flesh would be saved. The days when men will seek death but shall not find it will be shortened for the elect's sake. 
that's us who declare Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because he is already human 2.0. And through him, we are saved. And what's incredibly encouraging about the days ahead is that all this darkness will cause many of us, uh, the elect, to stand up in direct opposition to the beast system. As brothers and sisters in Christ wake up to this oncoming storm, it will become ever more important to set aside our less important differences and stand in one accord with Christ and not with the one mind hive of the beast. Joining us on this episode is one half of the team behind Truth Stream Media, a channel that has over 364,000 subscribers, whose most recent film, Minds of Men, is a must-have in your research library. The film covers the origin of cybernetics and the true agenda behind all the communication technologies that were externalized after World War II, and we'll get into all the nitty-gritty of this impending technological invasion of our souls, but what's often not discussed in our community are the challenges and difficulties of making a film, especially one as heavy of a subject matter as The Minds of Men. And to share some of that journey with us is, again, one half of the Truth Stream Media team, Melissa Dykes. Welcome, Melissa, to Canary Cry Radio. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm really, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> well, good. So are we. We're all <laughs> glad to be here, having a good time. Um, and, you know, as the listeners know, we're recording Oh, before one in the afternoon. So this is considered early for people like us. But, uh, you know, we come together as a team to, uh, to to welcome you onto the show. And, you know, I got to say, your guys' channel has been around for a while. Actually, I think even since before this podcast began. And in this world of 2018 and watching artificial intelligence and the, all the technological uh, spookiness going on. It's, uh, I don't know. It's a little intimidating to have a, a, a veteran come around. Oh, <laughs> I don't think of myself much as a veteran. I just, I don't know. I, I started out like, I guess true stream media. I really started it back in 2011 prior to my s small stint on Infowars before I realized what that place was. And, uh, I really was all over the map. I had woken up. I had watched actually the, the film Loose Change. Are you guys familiar with yeah. that? Oh, film? yeah. It's the 9 11 film. Yeah, the classic film. I was not the kind of person who was just all about all of these things until I watched that movie and I realized, wow, you know, <laughs> we've been really lied to about this. What else have we been really lied to about? And then I started just looking into everything. And at first I was all over the map. I didn't even know. I was just researching everything all the time. And anytime I would come across any new piece of information at all, I was like, oh, this is something we've been lied about. I must tell everyone. Right. And I had no real plan to any of that. I just felt really compelled to say something because it just seemed like such a deception, and such a tragedy and so awful. And so at first I, I didn't really have a plan. I didn't really know what I was doing. And it wasn't until probably 2015, 2015 that I started really getting contacted by people who claim they were targeted. I started looking into uh, some of the cold war experimentation that was being done. And then I actually had a dream. I actually just had a dream one night and this was after a prayer. I had gone outside and prayed and I was pretty lost too, actually back at that time. I was very 
was having a lot of stressful things going on in our lives and everything. And I just, I went outside. I remember this very clearly. I was in the driveway. I was looking up at the sky. It was the middle of the night. And I said, look, God, if you're really there, because at this point in my life, I believed in God, but I didn't really know what that meant. I'll just be honest with mm. everyone. Yeah. Uh, and so I said, God, if you're really there, what am I doing here? Like, what is my, what's going on with this? What am I trying to really, what's the important thing that I should be looking at? What, what am I supposed to be doing? Because I'm, I'm all over the place and I don't really know what's going on. And I remember that night I had a dream and I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Montauk yeah. mm -hmm. at all. Uh, yeah, in the dream, I was actually flying over, over that place and I had never been there. I'd never even seen it. So I didn't even fully know what I was looking at until later when I looked it up on the internet. But it was after that dream that the entire idea for researching this and the movie kind of came out of that dream. So, wow. That's it awesome. was after a prayer to God. Yeah. I mean, that that's really, I could tell people a lot of other stuff, but that's really the bottom line. I had a dream. I prayed to God. And then that, that night I had this dream. So. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I was going to say when you were, started your story, you're like, Oh, I don't know. Just learning a bunch of stuff, just kind of going on just doing the thing, dude, just making videos and I was like, oh, this sounds really familiar. We had no idea what we were doing either, but uh, definitely didn't have a, a divine dream that inspired <laughs> an actual direction for this thing. Gons, how about you? Anything like that? Um, yeah, I've actually had a dream very early on when I was after I was baptized. Oh, so I'm just the, the dreamless one. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Poor Basil. Well, just one of these yeah. days, the I'll church. find some direction. You grew up in the church, though. You get you get special treatment. Oh, you know? yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't grow up in the church. Well, I'm curious about that, Melissa. So, so you did. So it, this is a, a fun part of Gons and I's uh, learning experiment about each other. I grew up in the church, so I'm a I'm a good church boy. And Gons, you know, he was one of those heathens all the way up <laughs> through college. And yeah, uh, that's probably me. That's oh probably me my too. gosh, Lord yeah. help me! <laughs> You're surrounded. Um, let's see. So i I come from a family of like, like my dad was always into science fiction. He always proclaimed himself to be agnostic. I don't really think he knew what that meant or where that phrase even came from. But uh, and I think a lot of people who say they're agnostic actually don't know about where that comes from with the Huxleys, but uh, I was always in a family that was very, the world is run on science and logic and reason. And, you know, the joke used to always be, you, you know, you can't believe in some magical guy who floats around in a cloud in the sky, that kind right. of attitude. And so anytime that, you know, you'd want to think about reading the Bible, it would be kind of on one side, uh, ridiculed. And then, Separately from that, uh, I grew up in a household with a very violent and what I believe is pretty much psychotic stepmother who she did go to church, but it was Church of Christ, and she would use the Bible basically as punishment. So mm. I remember particularly being eight years old one Easter, and I got in trouble for whatever. I don't even remember. Um, probably back talk or who knows. Yeah, and you I know was, what? I'm sorry to interrupt, but whatever. Oh, I mean, that could be, uh, you know, spilling some milk or kidnapping children. So I'm just going to say oh. that, but I'm assuming <laughs> you mean something closer to the spilling milk. I think it was something like I talked back or I don't know. I, I was eight, so I probably didn't kidnap anyone. Probably not. <laughs> okay. But um, 
as an eight year old, I wasn't really that big of a, of a, of a person, but, um, I remember getting locked in my room all day and she told me, you know, you can't, you won't be able to come out or eat anything or do anything until you read this Bible. She gave me the Bible and said, here you go. Mm. And then left and locked me in there all day. And I mean, if as an eight year old, when you're given a 2000 page book and told you don't get to eat till you finish reading it, you pretty much start to assume you're going to die. So it was a very violent, I had a very violent, crappy childhood in a lot yeah. of ways. I, wow. I was removed from there when I was nine, but at that point, I remember being nine years old. And and up until this point, I remember in my life believing in God. And as a kid, I didn't really know even, again, what that meant, but I knew he was there. But as a nine-year-old, when all this stuff is happening to you, I mean, every kind of abuse that you can imagine is happening to you, you start to get pretty bitter that God would put you, you as a nine-year-old in your mind, you're saying, well, why would you put me in a situation like this? If you really love me, God, you wouldn't do this to me, like that kind of attitude. And I remember totally. being nine and saying, you know, forget you, God, and turning my back on God as a nine-year-old. I remember that and being in that situation. And so all of my life in various forms, uh, people in my life have tried to find ways to turn me away from the Bible and away from God. And I've, and I've only in retrospect now that I'm doing what I'm doing and seeing what's happening, can I really understand probably why that, why that was occurring and why that was happening to me. Um, but yeah, so I just was not raised in a church. I've gone to a lot of different churches with friends and I've, you know, I've been to everything from Pentecostal churches to Catholic churches with friends. And so my attitude was always very, this seems super corrupt. <laughs> I've seen yeah. a lot of corruption within religion, but that, that is an organized religion of man. That is really not God. And I think a lot of people kind of confuse the two all the time. You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so, so for me, it's been a very long journey of having a lot of really bad stuff happen to me for a really long time as a way I believe now to try and keep me away from that. Um, and I, I contacted, actually, I'm the one who I reached out to Gons earlier this year because for the first time I'm, I'm actually, I'm reading the Bible in a organized study fashion where I'm actually going through it taking it back to the concordance. I'm trying, you know, I'm really trying now, uh, but it's my choice, not someone locking me in a room as an eight year old or any of that. It's something that <laughs> I've, I've come to. And I came to it actually through the study of all this evil stuff that's going on on the other side. That's, that's what brought me to this. So. Yeah, that's so interesting. When did you first start to, well, you mentioned loose change, before Loose Change, were you kind of in that group who's a little off-kilter anyways or questioning? Or was it sort of like somebody strapped you to a chair and your eyes were, were a <laughs> No, I was always kind of, I was just, before Loose Change, I was pretty just, a, I was always very cynical, probably because uh -huh. of the things that happened to me as a kid. So I was always pretty anti-authoritarian. Um pretty like, look at all the ridiculous stuff that goes on in Washington. It never changes. It's a bunch of, you know, bread and circuses clown show. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much got my political news from the daily show up until that point. If you want to know <laughs> totally. um, as a 20 year old, I mean, as, in yeah, my 20s, so you were a super in touch, very well informed <laughs> young person who knew better oh, than well, anyone. I'm sure that's what I thought at one point. I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I pretty much knew that a lot of that was BS. I just, I ignored everything else. I pretty much felt like, well, a lot of this stuff is above my pay grade. 
So there's no yeah. point in me even wasting my time on it. You know, like I, I would have been one of those people probably on the street that, you know, Jay Leno or someone goes up to and says, do you know the name of the secretary of defense and everything like whatever, some jerkwad, you know, I wouldn't even right. care. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't have been that important to me. And actually strangely through this process of researching this film and realizing the greater just depth of what's actually going on, or at least a piece of it. I I'm back to that now where it's like, well, I can pay all attention to this political stuff, but that's kind of just a distraction in my view, mm. a lot of it. So mm -hmm. at this point, which it used to be something I reported on back in the early days of true stream media all the time, yeah. you know, I was always looking into what's the latest scandal in Washington. What's the newest thing that Obama's doing today or whatever, you know, but it really, a lot of that is a huge distraction. And the proof in the pudding of that is just looking at how many people have absolutely no idea what's going on with the technology and, and the yeah. transhumanist agenda and all of that stuff. I mean, a lot of people just don't, that's quietly going on in the background and advancing faster and faster and faster. And people have no idea what's coming at all. A yeah. lot of people do don't have any idea. Yeah. And I, I can see the, so. the, the context of a lot of that too, that if you look at you know, some of the things that are happening in politics and you frame it from like, how does this affect transhumanism? Oftentimes you'll find little niches of things where it's like, oh, that's taking people in a different direction that will, that you can totally see like, oh, this will lead to oh, yeah. a type of transhumanistic world where, you know, you're, you're open to the, to, you know, certain uh, enhancements and things like that. So. Yeah. Well, and once you start following the agenda, then it stops really being about focusing on the person. I think a lot of people get, you know, they get all wrapped up in either they really love Trump, for example, or they really can't stand him. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. And they're all wrapped up in him as a person and what he is bringing to the table and his identity, his whole thing. And they're not really looking at the things that are for the agenda. If you just look at that, you see how it just gets continued regardless of who is president. It doesn't really matter. And if you just take that and start going backwards, you see that this is what's been going on in a very concerted fashion since World War II, since World War II, actually really since World War I. Um, you can start to see it, but it's 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 continuous the, the whole time. I mean, and, and Trump, for example, everyone's like, Trump cares about our freedom. He cares about our liberty. I mean, one of the first things Trump did when he got in was uh, put in the entry exit visa program or biometric uh, program at airports. So that's one of the very first things Trump did, like as soon as he got in there was sign right. off on that. So we're going to have to start giving our, our eye scan when we leave and enter this country. And everyone was saying, oh, the immigrants, the immigrants. Yeah. But everything that you wish on other people, they end up doing it to you too. I don't, I don't know why people don't ever seem to get that, but it's mm -hmm. pretty true. And so all these people got wrapped up in the immigrant thing and they didn't even realize how all of that is going to be used against them as well. Cause we're going to have everybody who leaves and enters this country is going to have to start giving eye scans pretty soon. And that was Trump doing that Mr. Pro freedom over there, according to the make America great again, people. So it just, it never changes. That's the thing. And I realized that that pretty quickly too. Yeah. After, you know, yeah, the steady March of the agenda is something that is so easy to, to take your eye off of. I mean, even with all the Kavanaugh stuff, I mean, the huge circus that that thing whole was people, people forget that he pretty much uh, wrote the Patriot Act yeah. and all the horrible things that were in there that, you know, here we are the uh, decade and a half later or something. And we just kind of take it for granted, uh, you know, the huge chunks 
of our privacy and freedom than that took away from us. And we're, you know, not to belittle any of the issues that are involved with that whole thing, but it's just a distraction. And, and those who, you know, buy into personalities or party lines, you know, the, <laughs> I mean, any yeah, conservative yeah. you talk to will say, oh, yeah. I mean, if you really give them the details of the Patriot Act, they're like, oh, no, that's oh, that's horrible. You're like, yeah, but uh, your party did it. And this Kavanaugh guy who you're so into defending wrote most of the words. What are you doing? <laughs> and so, you know, following the the I think that's a great point, the agenda more than any party or personality. Um, it's really it's an isolating experience. And I'm assuming that you can uh, agree with that. Oh, yeah. Uh, as soon as the whole Trump thing happened, I knew that it, I I got wrapped up in it, too, because the, the specter of Hillary Clinton was pretty nightmarish after mm -hmm researching her for a really long time and reporting on all of that. It was, it was, a, and they knew that. I they mean, the it. system knows that <laughs> knew of course. Would the, the and witch. so, I mean, when you're already in a system where you're voting for the lesser of two evils anyways, then you're still voting for evil regardless. It's just the lesser of two evils. So once you have people in that kind of situation, all you have to do is put somebody up there who's so horrible and so awful that they'll pretty much vote for a ham sandwich if it's not that person, you know? And, but I mean, we are entering seriously crazy territory when we have now a reality TV president. I mean, that can be anybody. Do you know what I mean? They can make that person into anybody. That's, that's an actor. I mean, it's, it's an avatar. We have an avatar president now. Yeah, and, and some would argue that we've always had an avatar president, but this one's a little bit would. more blatant. It's more obvious. But that's yeah. the point I'm making. Yeah, I'm, I would say, yeah, that's true. But it's been kind of a slow move towards ridiculousness over the decades. If you go back and look at, say, someone like Eisenhower. Yeah, he was surrounded by, you know, a lot of those people as well. But he thought, I think in some ways, he really thought that he was trying to do some good things there. And you can tell by his speech when he left. His famous mm -hmm. military industrial complex speech where he warned everyone about the scientific dictatorship that was coming. It's kind of like he figured it out. And then, you know, obviously we all know what happened to JFK. So it's just, I, I mean, but by the time you get to, to Trump and it's like, as soon as he gets in there, he's, he's like the swamp, the swamp, but then he surrounds himself completely and utterly with the swamp. It's just total swamp everywhere. He's right. got Rothschild bankers. I mean, it's just, it's a joke. Like the whole thing is kind of a joke. And I think, but it's just, people get so wrapped up in the personality of it. They can't see behind it to see the agenda. If you start to follow the agenda and you stop, you know, becoming so enamored by these personalities and just start looking at what's behind them, then you start to see a pretty clear line that's being followed of where this is bringing us as a society and where we've been going for decades now. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's pretty, it's amazing how it, it's a lot like reading the Bible. I mean, until I really read it for myself, I didn't, I just thought the Bible was this book of, you know, great old stories to tell you how to be a good person. You know, mm. that, that's kind of how I looked at it, you know, like an Aesop's fables kind of thing. Like, oh, that's a lot of stuff that happened a long time ago. And it tells you how to be a good person. That's great. You know, but I didn't really think of it much more than that. But when you read it now in light of the transhumanist agenda and some of the things that have been going on since, especially since World War II, and then you read Revelation, <laughs> you start to think about it and you go, wow, wait a minute. <laughs> Not only is a lot of this stuff verifiably happened that's in this book, 
But the stuff that's not happened yet so far that we know of uh, looks a lot like a lot of the things that are going on right now. Wow, that's a little bit interesting. So it's, I think I understand now why they call it the living word, because mm. it's not done. This is still happening. The stuff that's in here is still going on. So, Absolutely. And so going back a little bit to your... Um, you know, the, the, the creative side of what you're doing. I mean, you started Truth Stream Media, I'm assuming, you know, when you, well, like you mentioned, when you started waking up to a lot of the deception going on, and then you had uh, uh, an amazing dream that sort of gave you some direction. When did uh, the idea for the film come about? Was that during that dream or um, when did well, you take uh, that step? Yeah, so the dream really is what got us started on on the path to doing all of that research because I woke yeah. up and I said I need to find out because I was I there's a giant sage radar that's located in Camp Hero in Montauk mm. and in in the dream that's what I was it's like I was flying in the sky over this thing and I was seeing it from above um and so I didn't even know what that thing was. I knew it was a radar of some kind. I, I really didn't know anything else other than that. And so I had to actually go after this dream and, and look this up to figure out what this was that I was even seeing in this dream. Cause I was just like, what the, what the heck? Um, and I knew that it was, once I started looking into it and then, uh, all this stuff came up about, you know, the, the, Philadelphia experiment and the Montauk conspiracy. And I was just like, well, maybe this is something really important. It just, sometimes when you have a dream, I don't know, I guess guns can probably back me up on this, but some dreams, they're just not like any other dream you have. It's so vivid and it's so real and you feel like you're there. And it's not the same as just some random dream where you can kind of barely remember what even happened when you wake up and you're just kind of like, whatever. I woke up and this left a huge impression on me. I started looking into it and then I, I just told Aaron, I said, we've really got to start looking into this. At the time we were, uh, we just gotten married. We were extremely broke. Um, and it was about three weeks later that a random viewer sent us a sizable check that the, the claim was that it was for a wedding gift, but this was several months after we had been married. So it was kind of weird to all of a sudden get this gift, mm. but it was just enough money to get a drone, which would be able to film such a thing as that radar from a sky view, which is what I saw in my dream, and drive up there and start doing all this research. And we took a road trip up there and started the research and started filming everything because somebody randomly sent us that check. Like, I don't know, it was like a month maybe after I had that dream, yeah. after we had really decided to start looking into this and we ended up having to sleep in the car on this road trip. I mean, we had bare bones, no money, but it was like just enough to start the research for the film. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And so, so up, I mean, I got to imagine flying a drone over that thing is incredibly illegal. Did you get uh, permission <laughs> from the no, CIA? Actually, well, to, uh, the thing is, is that thing is in a, it's in a park now. They've had to turn that whole thing into a park. And so it's actually on public property now. It's not, it's a decommissioned military base that they've had. They've been forced to turn into a park. It's it is the weirdest park I've ever been to. I, I, it's obvious they didn't, they obviously didn't really want to do that. It's there's broken glass and twisted metal everywhere. It's really not a place to take the kids. And when I was there, I saw 
maybe two other people the whole time. Like there was, it's not a place anyone really goes. It's oh, wow. really creepy and really weird. And it's a weird place to be. Um, but we were on public property the whole time. And so we don't do anything that's not, <laughs> we try to mean, we stay within the boundaries <laughs> of the law. Um, so yeah, if that had been like an, an actual military base, that'd be a totally different, that'd be a different, obviously situation. This is, but right. this, lots of people have, have filmed this with a drone. So it's, we aren't, we're not the only ones that have done that, but, um, but yeah, so we, we're on public property. So no, we didn't, <laughs> didn't do something incredibly illegal, but yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it was just very, it was surreal. And it hit me at that time. Like, Oh, this is exactly like the dream I had. This is exactly like, I'm here now doing this thing. It's exactly. And we ended up talking to two of the guys that were, Oh, there was only three guys that were really instrumental in bringing out like the Montauk Chronicles. And one of them, I'll be like, he's passed away. But the other two guys, Preston Nichols and Duncan Cameron, we ended up talking to them. And that was some of the weirdest interview that I've ever done ever. Uh, they both, in my view, had handlers <laughs> when I was there. Um, I, I, when I went to Duncan's house, he had a guy that was there who put a, a business card in my face and told me he was from United Nations quality control. He said, let's just say, what? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, this was a weird, this is why the Montauk part of the movie has never come out because I don't even know what to do with all that footage and that research. It was so, I've never had my life threatened as much as when I was interviewing these people and researching that particular. That topic. sounds like a funny joke. If I was going to make like was. a satirical <laughs> like video, United Nations quality control. I don't remember the guy's name even at this time. Cause that was like, you know, three and a half years ago, but he, I know he had done some kind of documentary on aliens and disclosure. I know that, but I don't remember his name, but he had a business card that had a purple swirl. Like it was a, a silhouette of a man on the business card and behind the head was a purple swirl, which oh, is gosh. funny because <laughs> the whole reason I went to talk to these people was about mind control technologies. Neither of them would give me anything on that except for off the record, Basically, I was told if you keep following that line, you will be murdered. I was told that a couple of times. Oh my gosh! Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, it, so I've been really hesitant on putting out the because we we actually our whole initial plan was to go to Montauk and debunk because the story's fantastical and it sounds insane. Like they were doing mind control experimentation and time travel, and there were aliens, and it was. I mean, it's just like <laughs> they've dumped like a whole bunch of stuff together. You know, and but I'm reading it going, wait a minute, this is a bunch of people who met in a psychotronics club talking about mind control technologies and then all this other stuff, right? right. So let's just go back to the beginning of why they first started talking to each other and try to research that. That was like the one thing they didn't want to talk to me about. They'll talk to me about aliens and, and, and time control or time time travel all day. Like I could get them to talk to me about that for hours on end, probably on camera. But when I try to talk to these guys about mind control, in, in right before the interview started, the handler guy said, he said, Hey, Duncan, let's fix your makeup and, uh, did something to Duncan. And, and after he sat down in the chair to talk to me, he was like a different person. I've, I've never seen that in real life. It's, it's just like, it's like reading, you know, any kind of MK ultra novel or, you know, Manchurian <laughs> candidates or something like he, the dude, I would talk to him for like two hours. He was totally normal. Everything was fine sits down in the chair, a totally different person. And when I try to bring up mind control, it's as if he has some sort of mental block and mm. cannot talk further. He shuts down and will not talk further. Um, so, and he was a completely, he was a super nice guy, but 
I will tell you driving away from his house, I will never forget. He was standing in the driveway and he was looking at me the way that a sad child looks at a parent driving. We're like, don't leave me here with this guy. Like, you know, don't leave me here. He had this horrible look on his face and it haunts me to this day. When I remember that look he had, he was so sad when we left because he wanted to tell me something. He just physically couldn't do it. So, so I went into that whole idea with, I'm going to debunk this because I think it's a lot of ridiculousness that's wrapping around something that really did happen. And I still believe that it, it actually, there is a lot of ridiculousness there, but I do think something really happened. I can't, I can't disprove it all as total, total hokum. I think there really was some government experimentation that really is being covered up by, uh, some fantastical stories. So, but after all of that and having, you know, our lives be threatened a couple of different times, I mean, the the other guy, the guy that was with Preston, he looked like ex-military, but he was wearing a pot on his head. And he claimed it was to keep the signals out or something. I don't know. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. This is what I mean. Like, every turn when we tried to research this was ridiculous. Okay? There was something ridiculous at every turn. It's uh, almost like, it's like mocking. Yeah, it's, it's like just mocking. It the... felt completely staged because the guy was acting all crazy, but I could tell that he was very, very intelligent. And it was wow. really a, like a for show thing. Preston refused to talk to us on camera. And he did privately say, if you continue to research this, they'll probably kill you. So, um, and, and the UN guy in the driveway at the other house, he's, he said, you know, this is a pretty dangerous topic that you guys are trying to look into. And I would just caution you greatly. Like he said something like that, but it was said in a way that was very, you know, there was like a veiled threat. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So after the military guy with the pot on his head was at, you know, doing his whole act, I was just like, ah, maybe we should go back further. Maybe we're, this is kind of super weird. Let's go back further and actually look into what, what was MK ultra and just come at it with the view of we, obviously I, as many people have researched nine 11 to try and actually find out what really happened. They come to a realization that we obviously weren't told the truth about that. I mean, you, you don't have to look super far into the evidence to realize that lies were definitely told on that day. So why, so I went with that and I kind of said, well, if that's the case, what about MKUltra? I mean, we know what we've been told about it. It's all about prostitutes and halfway houses and LSD and it sounds freaking crazy. Um, so how much of that is real and what was really going on there? Because we obviously aren't usually, we're the last people that are told. I mean, ever since world war II, the United States has been compartmentalized We've been living under kind of a military rule with that, uh, you know, military industrial complex dictatorship kind of situation where they compartmentalized everything. And that works really well um, to only keep people in the loop for need to know basis. And the American people are the last ones. We're like the last ones that need to know anything about pretty much anything. And so if you just start with that as a starting point and say, I'm going to research this and really try to see what was actually going on. Yeah, you start to find out right away that what what we were told was the kind of crazy stuff that's for public consumption to keep you focused on that. And then you'll be so overwhelmed with that craziness that you'll go, well, that was pretty crazy. And then you'll just you'll kind of shut down and move on. Not a lot of people stick around and go, wait a minute, though. I don't think that's really the truth. What actually happened? Mm. And so that's what we were trying to do with the film that actually ended up coming from all of this weirdness. So I still have a Montauk movie to make in the future, but I have no, that is going to be such a weird movie. <laughs> so, I mean, it's As probably it going to be like a, be. 
a journal, kind of like a video journal of just what happened. I mean, the weird stuff that happened is just, it just, that's a story for another time, but it goes on forever. It's so bizarre. You know, you're so. reminding me a lot of, um, because I've spent a lot of time over the years listening to some of the the, the witness accounts or, or personal experiences and the anecdotes and, and, you know, all the people that come out of the whistleblowers and whatnot. And everybody has like a little angle, right? Or a different kind of piece to the the puzzle of the, this whole, not just MK Ultra, but from that stemming all kinds of stuff, like you said, and every conceivable, even our, our show, Basil, about, you know, uh, Obama in a jump room to Mars, probably came from some of those, you know, mind control types of uh, situations, but it it is overwhelming. It it totally is. And that was part of like uh, my question of trying to reconcile all that information with it for me personally at the time it was, I had just gotten saved and I was, you know, looking at the Bible and kind of testing it in a way to say like, okay, if the Bible is true, then how does all this stuff fit in? And not, not necessarily, you know, the mind control specifically, but a lot of the alien stuff. And, and it seemed to lock into place, like you mentioned earlier about, you know, the book of revelation and all this, but what was that sort of journey for you from, you know, just sort of doing the research into like, Oh, wait a minute, there's something in the scriptures. Was there, uh, you know, a oh, moment yeah. where the, uh, you know, a Bible, there's a moment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so as, as you, you've seen the movie, so, you know, that is a really dark, dark topic. It's very, to come to the realization of the level that this government and other governments would go to in trying to control the population is pretty, it's, it's really dark and really creepy. And living with that information for three years is just a really intense thing. And, um, to, I got to a point and I, I do remember it. It was back in March of this year where, I was actually just completely freaking out. I was just like, this is, this is crazy that they did all of this. This is crazy where we're at in society. This is just, this is what is happening. And it was just really, really disturbing to me. And then I started to kind of get really nervous about just even putting this film out at all, because even though this stuff happened, you know, 70 years ago and, and everything, it's the one thing that in a lot of the documentation on it is still classified to this day. So you can find out all about, you know, the prostitutes and the halfway houses and all of that stuff. Like you can go find all of that has been totally declassified a long time ago and you can read about it all day. But if you want to look at government experimentation in cybernetics, especially during the early decades of the cold war, you're not going to find very much. It's a lot of it is very classified still. And so I started to get really upset. And I remember there being a day where I was just beside myself, really upset thinking I have, I have kids, (laughs) you know, um, I was starting to worry that I had stumbled upon the things that, you know, Duncan and Preston had warned me about and that, you know, something bad was going to happen to me. And it's not really so much that I'm afraid of something bad happening to me, but I do have kids and I don't want them to be traumatized forever because mom just couldn't help it. She had to research this horrible topic, you know, And so I was in my room and I was, I was crying. I was really crying. I was really upset. And, um, I had, I looked around the room thinking what, you know, I just was looking for something because I was just so upset. I was thinking, I just need something to make me feel better. And actually we had had a viewer, um, a couple months earlier, back in December had sent us a Bible 
And I, it was, it's a really nice, it's a King James that's got all the, the historical annotation information. So it's got all of the, how things in the scripture actually match up to things that have happened. It's for scholars who do, you know, serious Bible study. So it's this huge book. It's very nice. It has full color pictures, really cool. But I got it in the mail and I went, oh, that's really thoughtful of them. And I kind of just set it aside on my desk, you know, I just, I didn't really, I mean, I looked at the nice inscription on the front for two seconds and I read the note and I did a video thanking some people. And I mentioned it at the beginning of the video, which hardly anyone ever watched it. Um, but I didn't really read it. I kind of set it aside because I was working on the film and I was busy and, you know, I mean, it's not that I didn't appreciate it. I just was like, well, that's a book that is really huge that I, I don't really have time to read right now. But for whatever reason that day when I was crying and I was desperate, <laughs> I looked over at my desk and I saw it there and I thought, you know, I'll just flip this open to a random page and read the first verse that pops out at me. And that'll, Classic that'll, move. <laughs> that'll help me. Yeah, I know. Right. Like, like it's some kind of divining rod tool or something. I can just open it to a <laughs> random page and it'll just speak to me, you know? Um, but what ended up actually happening instead was I flipped it open to the first page and the person there's like a little page in the front where you can write your family members' names. You know, it's like one of those kind of really fancy ones where oh, you yeah. can write all the and at the front it says presented to and by. And the person had written, you know, this is presented to Aaron and Melissa Dykes and their kids, um, by and, and instead of writing who who gave it, uh, they put come and meet and fellowship with the author of your lives and the creator of the whole cosmos universe, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, who's about to return. And then at some other point, this person came back and with a different color pin in the margins as an afterthought, you can tell it was written as an afterthought. They wrote two uh, sets of, of verses. And the first one is one that is, I think, probably quoted pretty often. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. Mm -hmm. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil plans to give you a future and a hope. And in that moment when I was so desperate and so upset thinking they're going to kill me <laughs> if I put out this movie, I read that and I was just like, whoa, whoa, that, that kind of goes exactly with what I'm thinking at this exact moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And then this other verse they wrote or set of verses was from Lamentations. And I'm just going to be honest with everyone right now. I didn't even know Lamentations was a book of the Bible. It's not really something people <laughs> go around quoting. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. People usually quote Proverbs or Psalms or something. They don't usually go around quoting Lamentations. It's not very um, Instagrammable. <laughs> you know, I wish I was never born and my skin was eaten by locusts. <laughs> so it says... So it's Lamentations 3.22 through 25. Uh, through the Lord's great love and mercies, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are renewed every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is good to those who hope in Him. So at a moment when I had no hope at all, I really had none, okay? That was like, it was like reading exactly what I needed to hear. Not sort of what I needed to hear or, well, that kind of makes me feel better. Like the way a Hallmark movie makes, you know, somebody feel better about themselves or something. But like, it was exactly what I needed to hear at that moment. Mm. And I just went, wow. And I just started crying for, for happy tears at that moment. And all of the weight of the anxiety and the stress and the fear, the fear, especially the fear just vanished from me immediately just, it was gone like that, you know? Yeah. And I just went, Oh wow. And I started 
I prayed really hard at that moment. And I said, wow, I've really lost myself through this movie process. I forgot that you're the one who gave me the dream in the first place. I, I forgot where I even am or why I'm even here. I, it's like, I suddenly remembered all these things that all my life from that time I was a kid, I had forgotten. It was like waking up from being asleep for 30 years. And I just realized like, this is the piece of information that I've been looking for this whole time. It's in this book. Like I've been reading all these other books, trying to figure out what's going on and doing all this other research. I even started to fall prey to the new age movement, you know, yeah. in, in the time of working on this movie, I started to kind of go in, down that road and, and all this other stuff. And then I realized, wow, you know, this is the one book I haven't read and it probably has exactly what I'm looking for in it. Mm-hmm. And that realization was so insane. I, my life has changed from that day. So this year has been an extremely, extremely challenging, but extremely exciting at the same time for me. Yeah. I got to say, you found a verse that was much better than my example of a Lamentations verse. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it wasn't me. It was the random person who sent it and they didn't say who they were. This is a completely anonymous donation. They just wrote from St. George in, in here. I don't even know. So it, I, I don't know who that is. I don't know anything about any of that. All I know is this Bible has changed my whole life. I mean, not really the Bible it was God, but the, the bringing all of this stuff. And and then, and I told Gon's this story. I don't know if you want to hear it too, Basil, but your viewers probably do. But I'll tell you, the stuff that's happened to me since that day has been just a reaffirmation every single day that this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. This is the right path that God is with me. I mean, all of that stuff, the door is fully blown off on that one. Like I'm, you know, (laughs) so, uh, it was probably about three weeks, four weeks after, after that happened that, um, we were going up to visit Aaron's mom and Aaron, Aaron's was raised in the church, a Christian and his, his family is all very church going. So I'm kind of the outsider when it comes to that. Um, and, but so we were headed up there and all of a sudden, It was like a voice in my head said, go to church with Aaron's mom. And this is something I have not done in the six years that we've been together because, uh, she, and I love Aaron's mom and I'm not saying this to disparage anything that she does, but she goes to what I would call a mega church. I would, I would probably say it's a kind of milk church. So it's more milk, not meat. Oh yeah. They kind of do. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't want to, I don't, but I don't want to, I love her and I am not in any way trying to disparage my mother-in-law. I'm just saying that's a crazy church. It's very like they immediately have like, you know, cops directing traffic. And the first thing they do is pass the plate and play songs. And it's all, it's, I don't think they're getting to the point of what I've gotten to in just reading this by myself. And I think the problem with a lot of churches like that happens to be that, you know, if you go to a church like that and you don't actually do the work yourself of reading this for yourself, and, and having God help interpret it for you, then you're having a man interpret it for you. Then you're putting somebody between yourself and the word of God and between yourself and God, really. And I think somebody did the math and said, if you just get your Bible from church, it would take you 600 years to ever really read it all because you're only going <laughs> once a week, right? So you're not really getting all the information. Yeah, you get um, like four verses a week. Yeah, and I think they scare people away from reading Revelation. I, I'm not even sure that a lot of people in my in-laws have ever even really read it and they're lifelong churchgoers. So I, I'm just saying, you know, it's, and I'm, I'm not trying to put anyone down, but the idea of going to the church, I mean, I was kind of like, ah, 
I want to go. Like I, it was very much like having your dad tell you, like, you need to go do something. And you're like, oh, I don't want to, you know, like it's all whiny. Plus it was, there was a cold front that moved in and I, I live in Texas. So we're not used to that. And it was a super cold, cold front. So when I woke, woke up that Sunday morning, it was extra cold. So I was extra whiny about it. And I remember being in the bathroom going, Oh, I don't want to go. And it was like, you better go. I could just, I could, it's almost like having, you know, a voice go, come on, I told you to go better do it. And, and so I ended up going and, um, that day, instead of the normal pastor, there was uh, another kind of, I guess they have sub pastors or something. It was some other guy that came up and decided to talk that day. And instead of talking about you know, actual pastor, under pastor, under pastor. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the hierarchy is of, of these churches. It's, it's, it's a non-denominational mega church. That's the way I would put it. And this, this guy comes up and decides to start talking about anxiety, which I thought was really strange because it really isn't, it's not like he got up and started reading Bible passages. And then we're going to talk about that. He just started talking instead about his anxiety issues and his faith. And, um, I, I, I'm one of those people that when I go to a place that I'm not really familiar with, I tend to sit way off on the side in the back. <laughs> I don't like to go sit right down front. Totally. And so we were sitting by ourselves over in like a quiet side corner where there was no one. Right. And he starts talking about this. And then at some point he starts mentioning direct concepts out of our film. So he starts talking about neuroscience. He starts talking about government experimentation he starts talking about uh, electrodes in the brain. I mean, just all kinds of concepts that I'm sure were over the head of an average person who's just coming to church on a Sunday. And and I start to kind of, I'm going, wow, well, he's talking about everything in our film. That's so weird. And then at one point, he just turns and looks directly at me, which was, at first, I'm like, you know, it's that thing where you're in a crowd and you think, oh, the person on stage is looking at you. But he just turns and looks directly at me. There's no one over in my section at all. It's just me and his mom. And he just starts talking to me about, you know, and you don't have to be a Rhodes scholar to know that blah, 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 which is kind of a, a group of these elite, you know, it's like kind of an elite educational secret society for, for better terms of people. A lot of the secret society people end up being Rhodes scholars and, and vice versa that were involved in a lot of the experimentation that we talk about in our film. And they ran through the Rhodes network uh, at that time. And so <laughs> to have him say all these concepts, which I, it just, it was like, I knew it was going over the heads of probably the majority of everyone in, in the crowd and talking then directly to me, which he did for like five straight minutes. So when you're standing at a podium and you're at a, in a mega, mega area and you're talking to like a whole stadium of people, you tend to turn your head back and forth. So everyone feels included. He wasn't doing that. He was looking directly at me and he was talking about concepts that are directly out of our film. And it was just the weird, it was just, it's hard to even explain it now, but at the time it was so weird. And his mom was squeezing my hand so hard. She's like, is he talking to you? Is he talking about your movie? Like she was freaking out. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. She's completely freaking out. And when we left and she's been going to that church for 10 years, she said, I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. Wow. And it was as if it was as if God himself spoke to me through that person and was saying, yeah, I'm the one that brought you to this information. You're on the path that I've put, you know, it was kind of like a confirmation of God in my life, of God in our lives, of God in working through us with this film that we put out. I mean, all of that stuff going all the way back to that dream. And it just hit me like, this is, 
this is all happening. This is not, I'm, I'm not just insane. Like this is all <laughs> happening. You know, at first I started to think like, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of going crazy. I'm, you know, I'm like my dad, you know, the, the joke my dad used to make, like you believe in some guy in a cloud, haha, you know, but at that moment, it was like, God worked through that man in front of probably three, 400 people, you know, <laughs> I mean, who, who can explain such a thing? You know, it was just, and I, I really think that was maybe one of the most spiritual things that's ever happened to his mom in that church, probably in the whole 10 years she's ever gone there. Wow. I mean, she was completely beside herself, freaking out. And the whole way home, she was like, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. And she couldn't stop talking about it. She said, that never happens. That's never happened before. You know, and she just, I mean, she just couldn't stop. And I mean, the things that he was saying, it was as if he had watched our film and was talking directly to me about it on stage. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it other than that. And the film was not out yet, obviously, at that time. So, in fact, we were super close-lipped about the film at all or the things that we were going to be talking about at all uh, about that movie. We didn't even put out a trailer for it until it was already available. So, so is your uh, mother-in-law a believer? Is she a yeah, well, big fan of the film? Yeah, well, she a believer, but yeah, she is. She's a, well, she says a lot of that stuff goes over her head, but. Yeah, she's com- she's pretty convinced uh, after going through that with me that day. I mean, she's yeah. like, now I have to watch your movie. I think before she probably would have been like, well, I think it's interesting. Like a lot of people in his family, he's kind of the black sheep of that family. And a lot of them just think he's crazy conspiracy theorists. So. Sure. Well, um, that's, you know, that's common around here. I, I can relate. Um, so, you know, to go to the film a little bit, now that people have heard some pretty amazing uh, uh stories about uh, how it was inspired and some confirmation about it and some really amazing stuff. Um, and and not that I want to move away from any more of those stories, if there's more, keep them coming. But as, <laughs> as far as the film goes, uh, we're talking about uh, the minds of men, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you give us a little bit about the types of things that you cover in the film? And this is available on your YouTube channel. Yeah, well, it's available. We have a, a website, themindsofmen.net, where we have the portal that people can go rent it on Amazon or Vimeo. We also have DVDs for sale yeah, of it sorry, as I'm, well. Was, I'm looking yeah, at the yeah. trailer and here. We have a trailer. The trailer's up on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Media. But yeah, so The Minds of Men. So like I said, we we decided to look into MKUltra, what we were told, and then what really what, what, you know, what was the real, was there a real story behind that? Or is it really just what we were told? So we came to it with that kind of view and there are people that will watch it. And the first 20 minutes, we kind of dispense with what everyone knows about MKUltra. And so there are people that have watched the first 15 minutes and they'll go, well, I already know all this. And then they turn it off. It's a three hour and 42 minute film. (laughs) 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 So like, first of all, I apologize to everyone. I understand that you know, people like bite-sized chunks of information, and that is not what you will get if you watch this movie. <laughs> It'd be like at three all. VHS tapes long. <laughs> it's really long. And the thing is, is I prayed about this a lot towards the end. Should I split this up? Should I, you know, what should we really and I just kept coming back with it needs to all be in one piece so people can understand Offer it, it as a as a box so, set. It's, <laughs> It's one, it's, yeah, like we got, we actually had room on the DVD to fit extras, surprisingly. So there's oh, actually the extra technology, but, well, that's, but that but must but have changed only, since I did uh, age of deceit too. Cause that was, that was rough going uh, in 2014. Yeah. So yeah, well, so, um, but so we dispense with that and we kind of get 
to what was the science behind that? What were the meetings that were being had behind all of that? What were the things that were happening leading up to the decision to pull the trigger on such a a crazy set of experiments that were just completely unethical in every way you can imagine? Like what, what's really, what was really going on in the background of that? And, um, and what you come to find out is that they weren't, I mean, they had all this stuff about Manchurian candidates and, and communist brainwashing techniques, actually communist brainwashing techniques. The whole idea of spreading that idea to America was actually through a CIA agent named Edward Hunter who wrote books on that. And that, the, so the word brainwashing wasn't even in the American vernacular until that guy wrote all these books, which were basically propaganda to create a brainwashing scare kind of as a justification in some ways for doing this experimentation. So, you know, there's a lot of misdirection, there's a lot of stuff, but what you end up finding out is that, you know, during, during World War II, there was this huge push to unify, you know, the United Nations, the whole idea of unifying the world, the idea of, oh, we, at any moment we could be destroyed by a bomb. So we really all have to come together. But how are we going to get everybody to come together? And at that time is when they really started a lot of the science. Most of it is Rockefeller Foundation funded. So also United Nations, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, to really look at human beings as what is the smallest units So they really started looking at us on a cellular level, trying to take that apart for control. But they also started looking at our minds at the neuronal level. Like, what is the smallest unit, the smallest place between you and your external reality that can be manipulated? And that would be your neuron. That would be the, the, because your brain, what they found is that your brain really doesn't have access to external reality at all. The only way you get any information at all from that is through your senses. So it's really on a a neuronal level through signals that you even are, you know, know what's going on in your reality. Um, And so they figured out right away that that could be manipulated and they started looking into ways to do that. And so um, a a lot of what comes out in your MKUltra documents for people who have done this research just on a, on a, a first level basis of looking at you know, the MKUltra subproject documents, because those were declassified. It was admitted in the testimonies and the congressional testimonies in the 70s and those hearings that those documents are called what they call boilerplates. They're not, they're, they're really just there as placeholders. They're not really honest about what they're doing. So you can't read those and go, well, here's what they were really doing. It says so right here. Those are just, uh, cover files basically for their filing system. They're not really telling you the real truth. Uh, before MKUltra was signed off on, there was a series of meetings, which actually started during World War II, um, about cerebral inhibition. <laughs> so, and these were secret meetings. They, there's evidence that they happened because they, the people that were in them talked about it later, but there's no documentation from those meetings. You can't go back and read what was written. But if you look at the people who were there, you had sociologists and anthropologists and neurologists, and you had people who would become cyberneticians once that term was coined. I don't meeting, even think I've heard that term. How is cyberneticians, that? How, yeah. how have I not heard that term? Well, that's the thing. They have, this, this is all by design that they have purposefully made sure that people don't really know what cybernetics is. And we found this out right away because once we found these meetings and we found the evidence that they had happened, and there's only very 
scant writings on them even happening. But once you start researching that, you realize that's not a term they've told anybody. And because we went around, because we try to do some interviews for this movie, we were going to go interview people and ask them what their opinion is of cybernetics. And we asked many people and, you know, people that are even, you know, people like John Rappaport, who's, you know, one of the alt media, he's known for talking about MKUltra stuff. And all through the interview Aaron did with him, and he's a great guy. I, I love John Rappaport. So I'm not, this is not to say anything negative about him at all. But Aaron was asking him questions and he was going, well, I haven't heard that. I don't know about that. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? And so it was kind of like Aaron was schooling him instead of the other way around. And it became really obvious that, that we just as a society, we've not been told what cybernetics is, even though that is totally what is running all of society right now. So cybernetics was a term that was actually coined by Norbert Wiener. He's considered the father of it. He was at these meetings, these cerebral inhibition meetings before they became known as the cybernetics meetings. But it's what it, what it is, is a science of communication and control in the animal and the machine. That is what cybernetics is mm. not like if you ask someone, they'll probably go, Oh, yes. Doesn't that have something to do with like the internet and computers? You know, and they kind of glaze over and look at you like, eh, they start to kind of drool a little. Cause no one knows what that means. And we've purposefully not been told. Right. So they were looking into how we interact with communication technology and something called the second signal system in inside of ourselves and what that responds to. And it's all been upheld by science today that's open on the record and they'll tell everyone, but no one's paying attention that you run on signals. Like I said earlier, I mean, your brain, that's how you receive information from the, you know, the external environment is through signals that are being sent through your senses. Yeah. So if those signals get crossed for example, or manipulated per se, then you're not receiving true information about your environment. And then you're reacting to those signals instead of what's actually going on. You're totally controlled. It's an easy way to control people. Cybernetics is what in the background of the cold war, while, while they were pitting materialism and communism against each other, you know, or they were, you know, pitting America against, you know, Soviet Russia and all that. Both of our, our system here and their system there was actually being quietly replaced by cybernetics at that time. So for public consumption was the Cold War, basically, all in your face to keep us under this, you know, helm of national security, the National Security Act, and saying, you know, we have to declare everything secret because the government's got to take care of you because we're in the Cold War and you could be blown up by, to bits by, you know, an atomic bomb at any moment. So all manner of things were excused under that banner of national security. And they kept putting all of this in our faces the entire time. And meanwhile, you know, you had in the background this system being put into place. And they were doing all of the research on robotics. They were doing all the research on artificial intelligence. I mean, all of it really started during that time period. I mean, everyone thinks this is just new and it's just come about today. But, I mean, for example, you know, Julian Huxley, who is, he was the first director of UNESCO. He comes from, you know, Aldous Huxley who did Brave New World, and also his grandfather, T.H. Huxley, who was considered Darwin's bulldog. Um, he's the guy who came up with the idea of transhumanism. That's back in the 50s. In the 50s, you also had John von Neumann, who was a computer scientist who worked with, you know, the, the Army, the CIA, IBM, you name it. You know, uh, he also worked at Los Alamos, all that stuff. But he, he came up with the idea of singularity back during the 50s as well. So all of this stuff that we're dealing with today is actually very, very old. 
You know, it's all concepts they came up with back from that time. And so this film, while talking and dealing with things that happened in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, and I think we we finally cut it off in the early 70s, because like I said, this movie is three hours and 42 minutes long. Um, It really it, it bears directly on the world we're living in today, probably more relevant today than it was at that time. Yeah, absolutely. At that time, this stuff was secret. People didn't know what was going on. Yeah, you know? no, we're seeing the effects of it. And, and it's almost, I, I actually think, just having this film be a divine sort of guided thing, I, I really do think that it was, this sort of information is allowed to be released now as well in, in a certain way because because the effects are now so public as well. I, I think the, the kind of crazy social media, you know, hive mind stuff that's going on already we're having this conversation separate yeah. from that, but it is happening all around us right now. A lot of people are sitting there on their phone, on Twitter and, and, and whatever, social media, Instagram, and they're all, you know, raging or, you know, looking at cat videos or, or depressed <laughs> or, or depressed, depressed. Or, or what, you know, hiding yeah. their emotions. They're putting themselves in situations or looking at items or whatever to manipulate or change their state. And that itself is just a, a crazy concept when you start realizing like, wow, this is, this really has changed our state of mind, our state of being, um, how just, we relate to each other, yeah, how we communicate everything else. And, and so, you know, a lot of what we do is online, but you know, I, I always think of ourselves as sort of a kind of an antidote or, or just a, you know, some, something to sort of spike the, the whole situation and, and bring a little bit of clarity to what's going on instead of, uh, you know, the reverse effect of like when you have clear water and you drop uh, one drop of like a, you know, some dye. dye, just, you know, yeah, that, the reverse of that. But anyway, um, that's what I think the church, I think that experience for me in the church was trying to tell me, I think God was trying to say like, I wouldn't put you through to this point just so you could be driven off a cliff or killed in a bathtub. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it was just a message to, you know, it was like a, it was like a, a way of very publicly giving me yeah. what felt like giving me a message yeah. of that and, and that I have a lot more to do actually. So yeah. he's got your back. You know, you're good. You're good. You know, that's kind of what it was like. Yeah. I guess that's what it was like. And really there's so. a whole community of people that are behind you that I'm sure are just, you know, thrilled to hear this type of story, you know, because you, you are, you have been out there, you know, pursuing the truth and, and, and publicly for a while. And that's, that's something that, you know, it's, man, it's, it's a tough thing to do because it's not necessarily rewarding. <laughs> like you talked yeah, about, you know, it's, it's a not... tough thing to do. I mean, it's kind of like people ask me all the time. They say, you know, why did you leave? And like people still to this day, why did you, I only worked at InfoWars for what, 11 months, I guess, back at the end of, back in 2012. So at the end of, of that year and then the beginning of 2013, and then we quit. And I would think by now <laughs> it would be blatantly obvious and apparent why we left. Um, but yeah, pursuing the truth is not what you do when you just want fame <laughs> and you want, you know, I mean, if I, if I was just in this for some kind of fame, I guess I would have stayed there. Right. Mm. Um, instead of leaving and then all of the fallout of leaving and all of the stuff that happened after that. I mean, that was not an easy thing to do at all. <laughs> um, none of this has been easy. And actually, I think that's probably why, like at the time, like earlier, I said, my nine year old brain said, God, why'd you do all this stuff to me? Why'd you give me such a horrible childhood and awful things happening to me? And, but now I can look back on that and I can say, well, I obviously needed to be strong. If I was just some person that had, you know, 
the the idyllic picket fence in the suburbs with the 2.5 kids and the dog and the happily married parents and everything's awesome, I wouldn't be probably the level of strong that I am that I can make a video where I talk to 360,000 people and I tell them, look, this is what's happening. And I know it sounds crazy, but this is what's happening. Yeah. You know, it's a really, that's, I, sometimes it's like, I forget. And even I forget when I hit record, what it is I'm trying to do with that is actually, I'm, I'm trying to warn it's warning. You're warning people, yeah. even though people are going to call you all manner of names, they're going to call you all manner of crazy. And I, what I've noticed now since reading the Bible and putting all of this stuff together with, you know, the word here, (laughs) that has only intensified. It's, you know, for some reason, I always assumed that, you know, if, if, if I was a, a Christian, that people would be really welcoming of that and nice to me about that. And it's so much easier to be a Christian than it is to be an atheist. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Cause from an outside view, you don't know, but like what I've actually realized is, uh, people hate when you say anything about Jesus and they hate when you talk about, I, I've gotten a lot of hate at all for mentioning the Bible. I've gotten a lot of hate. So all of the stuff that happened in my early life, all of the times where I've had to stand up for things that no one else would, there's lots of examples of that as a kid that weren't, I mean, not conspiracies, but just random things that I could mention. There's just a lot of stories, but basically I feel like all of that stuff is now coming to pass here. Cause if I didn't have that ability, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now. Right. Yeah. And, you know, tying it, tying it to the, to the, you know, back to the film, I think, you know, having watched it and I've, I've watched it a couple times, it really, the way it's able to explain what's happening now is is just remarkable because you 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 know as you say you go through the history of it, but but I don't know the explanatory power is in itself you know apart from just you know anything related to faith, but then you add that faith component and you have this bigger picture of like wow that this has been allowed to happen like God is allowing this evil to happen why. <laughs> Is he allowing it? And you come to the conclusion, like, man, uh, it must be getting time. You know, it must be getting close to that time because otherwise, yeah. why is it being allowed? You know, and so it makes you kind of think. And, and who knows if it's in our lifetime or not? But we know that a lot of progress was made in the last seventy years. A lot of progress has been made, and not only has a lot of progress been made, but just going by, you know, is it Moore's law? where everything speeds mm-hmm. up. I mean, everything is speeding up to the point now where most people can't even remember what they had for breakfast yesterday, let alone try to keep track of all the things that are going on. I have a huge list of reports because I we also do reports just on our YouTube channel at True Stream Media. And it, I've got so much material, I can't even get to it all because it takes me so long to edit a video that it takes forever to just get down this list of stuff that's happening. I mean, the, the progress of this technology is now it's, it, compounding on itself. It's such a speed that, um, yeah, I mean, we're rushing forward into a future that even if you take the Bible out of it completely, I don't think most people can even remotely begin to grasp what is taking place right now. And interestingly, as we were finishing up the film, because the film came out in July, um, so I went and had that experience in the church. That was April. Um, It was, I believe, in May or June, one of the last things we started to find in, in one of the last things we actually added to this, one of the main people that was at those cybernetics meetings and the cybernetics meetings went on, uh, for 10, uh, they went on, there was 10 meetings and they started in 42 and they actually ended in 53 and they ended 
not the last meeting happened nine days after Alan Dulles signed off on MKUltra. That's how close together these wow. things were. Um, and, but one of the main guys in those meetings was, uh, an OSS agent. And he came out and said that this is the biggest bite that man has taken out of the tree of knowledge. He didn't say of good and evil, but he said of the tree of knowledge in 2000 years. That was Gregory Bateson. He was an OSS agent. Um, he worked with, or he was married to Margaret Mead and worked with her. She was also an OSS agent that attended these meetings. And he came out and made that statement. So it was right at the wow. end that I found him saying this cybernetics that he's, when he says this, he means cybernetics, the biggest bite out of the apple of knowledge uh, a tree of knowledge that, you know, or something like that. It was some kind of, I'm, I'm paraphrasing cause I don't have the exact quote directly in front of me, but it, but I put it in the film. So when the cybernetics part starts in the film, we put that quote up on screen because I was just like, I can't believe it <laughs> when I came across that because we'd been researching these people for three years. Like I said, I mean, yeah. and I hadn't come across that until right at the end. And it was like, Oh, he said it. He freaking said it. <laughs> like this is the biggest bite out of the tree of knowledge that mankind has taken in 2000 years. He said that. So it's admitted. And then you have another guy who was, you know, an MIT guy, Warren McCullough, neurologist. He was, he was instrumental in these meetings and he never told everybody what, you know, and it was very compartmentalized even within the meetings. He never told everybody what it was all about. He wrote something right before he died where he said, you know, no one really knows the true secret of what I, who I was working for and what I was really trying to do. Wow. And, and it, it comes across as very evil. <laughs> the way he says it is very <laughs> creep, creepy when you're reading it. And, and right at the very end, I actually found uh, something that he had written too, right after I found the Gregory Bateson quote, where Warren McCullough said something about, mankind to my mind is one of the nastiest animals that exists. So his, his entire, this was right before he died. Uh, he, he admitted that, you know, human beings are disgusting to him. He hates us all. So it's kind of great to <laughs> think he was really instrumental in bringing about cybernetics when he, he comes out right at the end of his life and says, you know, we all are horrible pieces of crap. Uh, but he said, if, if man can design machines that run things and, and, and have more fun than he does, then why shouldn't they enslave us happily? So, you know, these are the people that were doing cybernetics. They're talking in completely biblical terms for the people that have eyes to see and ears to hear and know what that is. They're, they're, they're open with it, but they know that not everyone is, is really even reading what they're saying to begin with, especially not back at those times right. when they were saying these things. So it's only like these breadcrumbs that can be found in retrospect by maybe someone like me and Aaron, like here way decades later after they've all died that we could even go back and go, Oh, wait a minute. This all ties into a greater spiritual agenda. Cause they're talking in very spiritual terms about it. Right. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, even, even our neuro, one of our main neurologists who is a total Rockefeller guy, his name is Wilder Penfield. They set up his neurological Institute up in uh, Canada. He worked on the same, the same hospital system that uh, Dr. Ewan Cameron did, who was a subcontractor of MKUltra Project 68, who did really horrible things to people, also funded by the Rockefellers. He would put, he would play things they said back to them 250,000 times, like in a helmet that he would put on their heads until it erased their mind. Like it was oh just God. insane stuff he was doing really crazy. He had a radio telemetry lab in his basement that none of the nurses could access and no one knows what he was doing to people in it. But the fact that it was a radio telemetry lab should tell you all you need to know about the real aims of that project, um, or at least give you some idea. 
uh, this guy Wilder Penfield at the end of his life, he wrote something too, where he said, you know, there's obviously something more to human beings than just their brain. That is a, a an energy there. That's that is what most people would call a spirit, and and that's something we can't really we can't really access or touch. But he admitted it, and then he after he admitted, he said, "All my work with people all these years, this is what I know to be true." And then he said, "And I'll just have to leave it there." So he didn't go further than that, and we put that quote at the end of our film because they actually proved through this process that we have we have a soul, all of us. They, they didn't tell everyone that there wasn't a, a news release. Like, hey, by the way, you guys have a soul. Like, um, but they figured it out that we do. And uh, that was the thing. That was the thing that they couldn't touch. I mean, they, they called it, they referred to it as the mind brain problem. I talk about this in a video I just put up about transhumanism because they're mainstreaming transhumanism right now. This is starting to happen more and more. We're seeing it now that it's really becoming a mainstream. Like this is going to happen. It's inevitable. Everyone should just accept it that we have to merge with technology. But, um, yeah, he, they were working on what they called the mind brain problem. And, and what it is, is it's basically the idea that they were looking for, for the energy that is behind your mind. They were looking for that interface, you know, cause your brain is an organ. That's just an organ in your skull. Right. But they can't point to your brain on a, a diagram and go, well, here's where your mind is. You know, the thing that operates it all, like here it is, like they can't find that, you know, they don't know where that is and they've never been able to. And that's been kind of the issue with really all of this for a very long time. They want to find that out and they want to be able to control that and they can't. So instead they have to do a workaround where they just go with your neurons and try to kick you out of the driver's seat, but you know, through signals, but it's, it's pretty insane. If you watch our film and then you think about what's going on today, I mean, (laughs) I was, my, my mind was blown on it. Cause I mean, the thing about working on a film like this, and like I said, having a dream and then basically being led by God in a way, I mean, you're going on faith. You don't know what you're researching when you're researching it. We didn't have a script. For example, we made this movie. Most people who make movies, they have a script and they're like, okay, now I have to you know, film the things that are in this script. And then I have to edit that together. We didn't have a script. We just kept finding new stuff out and then going, Oh, how does this fit in with, you know, you know, it was the weirdest. It was so bizarre. But then when we got to the end of it all and then we saw, stood back and actually watched it for the first time, cause we didn't see the whole movie till the end when it was done. Um, it was like, Oh wow. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> like this is the world we live in. Yeah. This is, this is, this is entirely what's running all of society right now. And you, yeah, you know, it's so interesting. Cause you, I mean, you say that and, and we, focus on this quite a bit on this show and, and Canary Cry News Talk. I mean, this this is the stuff that's happening weekly. I mean, we come out with uh, oh, yeah. stuff that we was cr- a crazy conjectures that we had six years ago. And now, you know, mainstream media is reporting on it, mm. um, you know, and you take it for whatever, whatever you will. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are wondering, you know, in a world where all this is happening and a lot of these concepts are uh, not just being reported on or um, put on display in public media, but actually these tactics are being used on the public in many different ways. And, you know, we have people wondering, I mean, we got kids, you got kids, I don't have kids, I have cats. 
And, uh, you know, people are wondering what to do about this or how do you, does it change the way you raise your kids? Does it change the way you, you know, go through the world? I mean, what, what's been your experience with that? Well, it has for me, I, I've started, uh, homeschooling my kid, my Mm -hmm. younger kid, my other kid is already, um, in college, but I started homeschooling my son for sure. Uh, I've definitely weird as it sounds. And I even said this in our last video, I've told them don't put anything in your brain because that is really the next step on all of this cell phones, actually all of this technology. Let me step back for a second, all of this technology. And this is something that people do not realize television, computers, the internet, all of these things are military products. They weren't given to us first as like consumer, go watch TV and have fun with your life kind of products. These are all military products first. I mean, when, when television first came out, for example, it was spread all around the world by the U S military. Um, and, and in order for a country to even have what they called TV programming, and there's a reason they call it that in their country, they had to have a U.S. military advisor on the staff. I mean, this is something people don't know. And, uh, computers, for example, I mean, again, all of these same people, a lot of these same people that were in these meetings, they were developing these computers. The internet was created by, uh, ARPA, which is the forerunner to DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, by a guy named J.C.R. Licklider, who was an experimental psychologist. So it wasn't it wasn't a computer programmer or some tech guy that may, came up with the internet. It was an experimental psychologist that came up with the internet. Just let that linger for a few minutes. Wow. Uh, and and you know and so all of these products they're they're weapons before they ever come to you really. I mean they had the precursors for the first. Uh, cell phones back in the sixties, I think, or the seventies, the CIA had some, some of those products they were using before that. Um, they were doing uh, second order cybernetics, which has to do directly with your brain, uh, back in the seventies. And they had a guy named Stafford beer who was doing an experiment in Chile whenever the CIA was overthrowing, you know, the leader there, uh, was a cybernetics experiment. And they were, what they wanted to do, I think he called it uh, it was some kind of meter. I always forget the name of it. He had some weird name for it. It sounds like androgynous, but it's not. But it's like this meter. They wanted to put it in everyone's home. And it would be like this this government-run meter that you would get up in the morning and you would say how you're feeling today. And you would you know, answer basic questions mm-hmm. about something. And you would do it every single day. And it, was, it would give them the data. See, it would give everyone the data. Of course, we don't have to have that now because we have Twitter and Facebook and everyone's getting up every day and they're doing that already now. So we, they don't have to come to you and put a government meter in your house because they just have to give you, you know, you just have to have a cell phone. And to, to point out, I mean, they have just, I don't know if you guys saw on your phones, I think it was like last week or the week before Trump sent out a presidential test on the Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you we, remember we having it, uh, that? We actually we were, documented the, the, the exact moment on our extended moment. report. The most exciting moment in podcasting <laughs> history happened well, because, while we were recording. Because, yeah, well, because back in the 70s, there was a Pentagon plan to affix something like that on everyone's television set. And it would right. interrupt the broadcast and it would say, the president wants to talk to you directly, ladies and gentlemen, about whatever. And you can read about it if you get, I think it's four arguments against television or something. It's a book. 
Um, they talk about, he talks about it in the beginning and people thought that, and they actually had to cancel the project because they knew that at that time, the way the American public was, as far as civil liberties goes, nobody would have been cool with that. Of course, now we're all totally like, whatever, nobody even blinks an eye. They're like, Oh, president's interrupting my phone. Like whatever. No one even cares. But at that time, <laughs> people would have been pretty outraged by it. And so they actually had to scrap the idea, you know? Um, but I would just argue that not only are all of these things, military technologies, but, but continuing on, I mean, you know, the government moved us all into digital television to a subsidizing cost of, I think I've read numbers like $8 billion. The government doesn't pay $8 billion. So you can watch football in clear quality. Like that's not, that doesn't right. even make any sense logically. Okay. So just people just need to keep that in mind that with this technology and, and the thing is, is we're all giving something up all the time and we don't seem to realize it. We're The more we interact with this technology, the more information we're giving up about ourselves all the time. We're actually creating a digital avatar of ourselves that is learning more about us and knows more about us than we know about ourselves. That's what Eric Schmidt, you know, who attended Bilderberg, he was the CEO for a long time of Google and then the parent company Alphabet. He only recently stepped down, but he came out and said, you know, Google knows you better than your spouse does. You know, Google knows you better than anyone with your permission because we're all giving it permission by using it, right? But as this technology continues, just with that, you can see like right now I have a Gmail and people say, you know, you're, you're a jerk for having that since you know it's so bad. But at this point, even if you don't have a Gmail, even if you have the most secretive email that you possibly can have, if you're interacting with other people at all and they have Gmail or MSN or Yahoo or whatever, Hotmail, anything, it's all the same kind of system. Your information's all going there anyway. Like, so unless you had a secret email address, that's run through like a secret non-spying network that you're talking to someone else like that, that's the only way you're going to keep that, that conversation private. I, I think all of this technology came to us with backdoors anyway. So you're really not, but I noticed that in the Gmail that I do have, which I had, I've had it, I still have it cause I've had it since before I've had it for years. I've had it since way before I knew about any of this stuff. And now I'm just keeping it because I'm like watching it. I'm watching it progress. And now the newest thing that it's doing now is it's trying to finish my sentences as I'm typing to someone. So the computer has already, the, the narrow AI has already read the other person's email and is now trying to guess what I'm going to say and fill in the blanks for me so that I don't even have to think for myself anymore. And that's really what's going on with this technology now, the programming, the level of it. I mean, you had Sean Parker come out from Facebook. I keep bringing this up because it blows my mind still. And he said, you know, this, we're using social validation feedback loops on Facebook to program everybody. Yeah. And yeah. He, he admitted it. He blatantly admitted it. <laughs> I mean, no one's, of course, 2 billion people are using it now. So he can't admit that it's without anyone really blinking an eye. But, <laughs> you know, I noticed that uh, Facebook now, um, which I still have because I send things out for True Stream Media, I interact on Facebook almost 0%, like almost hardly ever, except for sending things out from True Stream. And that's about it. But on my wall, when I have gone on it to do that, I noticed that there are posts that are trying to correct my my negative thoughts, let's go with, about things like vaccines, the Second Amendment, free speech, uh, just anything that I've ever posted anything about before that doesn't fall in line with the values and agenda of the system. It's trying to correct me now by posting things like filling up my wall with all this stuff that I know friends of mine would never post. 
Yeah, um, I've been hearing a lot about that recently, actually. Oh, yeah. Like I had one just a couple of weeks ago that said vaccination. Va- vaccination is not a choice. Uh, it was oh, all because I, oh, I put out a program about uh, vaccine dangers because I have a vaccine damaged child. I put out a, like a three hour program on that many years ago. It's up on our, our YouTube channel. But so uh, the computer somewhere obviously knows that I am anti-vaccine. And so now it's like all these wall posts just filling up the whole wall, trying to tell me about you know, vaccines are not a choice. Vaccines are good for you. You know, all this kind of stuff or, you know, anti-second amendment, you know, uh, posts, lots and lots of anti-second amendment posts, because, you know, I would just be friends with a ton of people who are against the bill of rights. That makes sense. Um, but then, you know, they're even admitting things now on wired magazines, like, or, you know, any of those kind of MIT technology review, they'll come out and say, Airbnb, how it's training us to live in a more peaceful world and, and, and allow strangers into our homes. It's bringing us all together. (laughs) And I mean, just all of these different programs, they really are. There's a reason they're called programs. They're programming us for this world we're going to live in. And, um, and what's really interesting, I listened to you guys' coverage or t- when you guys were talking about Burning Man um, recently, because I guess you went, right? With yeah. Burning Man. Yeah, yeah. So your the, eyes were probably like God. wide open on some of the stuff you probably saw. You probably got great stories. But um, I, interestingly, after this film came out, um, we were, you know, talking about it with one of Aaron's friends that he's been friends with since ninth grade or something. Um, so it's somebody he's known all of his life. And, you know, we were trying to talk to her about the film and I said something about how all these things are programs and she had just been to Burning Man and she, and she just got so angry with me and she goes, well, why wouldn't the benevolent rulers of our society want to retrain us with technology to be more peaceful people? That only makes all kinds of sense. What? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, she did. She went off on me and Ooh. was very angry that I would suggest otherwise because she went to Burning Man and she learned all about how this is going to bring about the most peaceful world you've ever seen in your life. And we're all going to be just peaceful and wonderful, loving global members of society or whatever. <laughs> Jacked is... into the matrix laying on your bed and with the virtual goggle <laughs> And I'm just saying to you that, you know, I, I wonder, and the thing is so interesting is that, so she went to Burning Man and I'm not going to talk much about her personally, other than to say she's an elementary school teacher. And, uh, so at Burning Man, at Burning Man, she was, you know, on LSD and she was talking about how they went into some giant warehouse type of room or some big room where, they all got naked together and then 11 year olds were spraying them down with some kind of foam. And they had a, like a naked rave in this foam at the burning man. But you know, if she turned around and got naked in front of her elementary school class, I'm pretty sure she'd be arrested. So definitely missed that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying, so like (laughs) the stories that she was telling me and in my mind, I'm thinking, so you went through this process and they got you to completely abandon all your morals and values that you normally have in normal society and adopt this completely twisted worldview where you can be an elementary school teacher, but also be totally naked in front of 11 year olds. But also all of society should be controlled by technology. Like that's insane. Like they, they broke that girl's mind in a week. So she only went one into her mind is, and and this is the thing is 30,000 people go there and then they leave and it's all tech. It's like huge. It's run by Silicon Valley. All these tech people go there. 
Um, I believe it was, wasn't it the guys who set up Google that started it or yeah, something well, like Eric, that? Well, yeah. Eric Schmidt was hired, uh, based hired on them. his, exactly. uh, yeah, burning man trip. Cause they said he was able to adhere to the, uh, idea of group flow, which yeah. is another way of saying hive mind. If you ask me, Yeah, but these people that go there, they leave changed. Like they leave changed. Not maybe not everybody, but the, the people, cause I talked to her and some of the people that she went with, I talked to them and I've talked to a couple of other people too. And it just seems like if you're not spiritually grounded and you go to a place like that, you leave with your, your, you got new societal programming. And the whole point is to spread that out to the rest of society. The fact that she's an elementary school teacher scares the crap out of me. You guys, yeah. that means she's molding the young minds of the next generation with these beliefs. It's, it's horrifying. Actually. Well, that's absolutely true. And, and those who are listening, I'm sure a lot of people caught up on it, but we have several episodes from before, during, and after, um, the, the trip that, uh, Carl Tykrib led the camp of the unknown God, the research project. And if you want to hear more, uh, that's available actually, uh, just a couple episodes ago. So make sure to go listen to that. And also there's some bonus stuff on our uh, Patreon page where we, we really do echo a lot of the stuff that you're saying here. So this is good confirmation on that. And yeah, I did miss uh, some of the crazier phone <laughs> raves. I was I too busy you at the Thunderdome. Naked getting, oh, there you go. I, <laughs> I assumed was, you weren't getting sprayed down with phone by 11-year-olds. I, mean, I, I was, assumed. Yeah, was not too, your thing. too busy dismantling <laughs> the, the infrastructure and uh, watching grown men fight with foam swords. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That seems really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but she definitely left having taken on that entire new kind of, and it's also a spiritual paradigm that they, they yeah. adopt when they're there as well. So this, it, if you don't have that, it fills a void for those people that have been, they're kind of wandering around as empty vessels because they don't, they're not spiritually grounded. And it's interesting because a lot of this, all of this technology and that's what I, I'm sorry, I jump around a lot and I apologize to everyone who's listening. No, this is just okay. how my mind works. But, you know, Sean Parker talking about how Facebook is a social validation feedback loop. There was another guy that came out from Facebook kind of mirroring that and saying the same thing, that it's programming people, that it's messing with your psychology. All of these things, they tend to go back to that. When you, when you get down to the root of it, that it's really messing with us on a society level, but it's messing with us psychologically. It's, it's doing something inside of your, your mind. And if you, one of the first things I noticed when I started reading the Bible a lot is that it talks a lot about having God in your mind <laughs> it, over and over and over. The Bible warns you that you need to be spiritually grounded and have the word of God in your mind. You have to have God in your mind you have to protect your mind. I mean, it's, it's openly warning that this is going to be a serious deal. And, and really the stuff that happens in revelation doesn't even go down until the minds of the elect are sealed. So <laughs> as a protection, cause it's, it's a mind war. This yeah. stuff is really, that's where it's all based. It's all mind war, all the propaganda, all the psychological operation. And just the way that this technology interacts with you on a personal level is manipulating your mind and your brain. Yeah. And in, interestingly, the stuff that's coming out now, I mean, all these people are saying your cell phone is really just your cybernetic appendage now. That's just, that's just the, that's just the stepping stone between putting this stuff into your literal brain, which is what they're coming out and telling everyone now that we're going to have to have this brain interface, that the internet is going to become the global brain. It's going to be the brain net. 
um, that we're going to be sharing our emotions and, and thoughts through this brain net. Now we're going to be jacking our brains into the cloud. Um, just all of that. That is the kind of stuff that they're telling everyone now, and they're making it sound like that's just inevitable. And I guess going back to what you said, Gans, and what I said in this last video, I told my kids, don't put anything in your brain. I mean, that is your last, I mean, even George Orwell in 1984, he said the few cubic centimeters inside your skull, that's the last thing that's yours. It's the last thing you've got. If you're, if you're, if you really want to know what not to do, the problem though, I think is that people don't know the history of this technology, first of all, which is what we lay out in the minds of men. And so they have, they, they don't, they just trust it, right? Well, Best Buy sells this to me on the shelf, so it's probably awesome. I should just have it. I don't, it's not, right. there's no, there's no danger here. Cause it's just, it's just a computer and that's true to an extent, but once it starts changing the way that you interact with other people, once it starts changing the way you think about things, I mean, they've done a lot of studies with things like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and, and they can change people's moods with this stuff. I mean, admittedly. So yeah. it, it's not just a computer that sits on a desk. It's not just like any other tool you own. It interacts with you. I mean, it's not even like television. You can watch TV and you can get mad or upset about something you see and then you turn it off, but you don't interact with your TV the way you interact with your computer. It's not mm. the same. Yeah, it's true. And it's all part, again, going back to that feedback loop um, and the rewards exactly. going on when you're interacting with it. Exactly. And that's what they say about the internet. The people have done a lot of research into cybernetics. What they come back with is, wow, you know, the internet is really, it's one giant feedback loop of control, communication and control in the animal and the machine. And as yeah. we get programmed by this, we're, we're programming the technology all the time. I mean, that's even down to what CAPTCHA is. Or, you know, these, these text to type programs, uh, or the things that are trying to get you to finish your sentences and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, you know, in a way that's us programming it, but it's also programming us as well. And mm -hmm. so as we continue to become more and more symbiotic with this technology, it's programming us and we're programming it. And that's going to reach a level at some point. And if people are straight up physically merging their minds with this technology, I mean, I, that's what I keep asking in my videos. At what point are you not you anymore? Because now you're something else. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. And again, I don't mean to jump around, but I think you'll be able to follow. You mentioned earlier in the program uh, that you did some work with uh, InfoWars. And I yeah. think it, it, it just might be interesting for people to know that uh, just the the... I don't know. I'm not asking for any salacious details, but the details of what, what you meant by that. Well, I, okay. So after I woke up, um, I, I, I don't even know Netflix. It was because Netflix said I should watch loose change. You know, Netflix recommends things to you. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea why it recommended that to me. Cause that doesn't even seem like something that would have been recommended by a computer at that time, which is interesting in and of itself. But I watched this and I was just, floored by it. And I started doing all of this research. I started watching every documentary I could get my hands on. I couldn't stop talking about things like chemtrails and, <laughs> you know, GMO and vaccines and just all these things. Right. And, uh, pretty soon I started to lose all of my friends cause they thought I was insane. Um, the relationship I was in at the time, my significant other said I was crazy. 
Uh, so that was really bad. It totally screwed up all of that. And so everything in my life began to really fall apart, which I now see is just a, a thing having to be destroyed in order for it to be rebuilt. But, um, I started listening to Alex Jones and InfoWars because I think whenever you first wake up, he's like one of the first most, he's like the most he's promoted easily. By the yeah. The most easily accessible. <laughs> he's loud and he's standing at the gate. He's loud. He's standing at the gate. That's why he called himself the tip of the spear. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause he's like the first thing you run into. And so I started listening to him and I thought, wow, here's somebody who gets it right. Is what I thought at the time to my naive mind who had just woken up. And it was like, um, probably six months after that, that he started a contest for new reporters for InfoWars. And at that point I, I had been like, I had a degree in technical writing and a master's degree in criminology. And I had done a lot of you know, I blogging. I was doing true stream media on a site as a blog, but I, I had not been on camera or, 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 you know, I wasn't in debate team or any, anything. I was not a public speaker. I had taught one year of freshman level English in college as a master's, as a graduate assistant. That was, that was my whole public speaking. And I was not very, I was super nervous about that all the time. So I was not, I don't even know what at the time, what would have possessed me I guess possessed is not a good word to use, but I don't know what would have made me think to enter that contest. I don't know what came upon me that I was like, but, but something I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to enter that contest. Yeah. Not thinking that I would win or that I would get chosen at all. Cause I was a total noob, but, um, but yeah, so I entered this contest for, for, uh, reporters and, I ended up being one of the group that was chosen to come work down there. And, um, and I, that's how I met Aaron. I remember going down there for the interview and I was super nervous. They flew me down there and I met everybody. And there's a lot of super nice people that actually work there behind the scenes. And, and, um, I remember when Aaron walked up to me, I started talking to him and like, first of all, I'm, I'm a super, when it comes to you know, job interviews, I was always like super professional and <laughs> my suit on and everything, you know, I was very trying to be very professional about everything. But when Aaron came up to me, it was the weirdest thing. I started talking, joking or like kind of almost picking on him and joking around with him. Like I had known him all my life, which is really weird uh -huh. for, for me. It was weird for me. And it was a weird thing to do on a job interview, but it was as if I had known him forever. And when we started talking after that, it was just like, I, I couldn't stop talking to him. I don't know. And, and so that was, that was really strange change in my life. And I came down there to work there, but you know, and it's been long enough now that I feel like I can just say this. I feel like that place is really a gatekeeping situation. Uh, mm. I, I feel like, I mean, the reason I will just put this out there that the reason that Aaron, when Aaron quit, the day that he quit, he texted me. He said, I just quit. As soon as he texted me and said that I started putting my stuff in the car. Cause mm -hmm. I knew that if he was leaving, I was not staying. Um, and the reason that he quit had to do with, uh, being ordered to report favorably on some people that he doesn't agree with are favorable people. <laughs> um, and that he did not want to show in a good light because they're not good people. And so it went against his value system and there was a big disagreement and a big argument. And he, you know, he's, he quit over that. And when he texted me and said, I quit, I was at my desk and I went, you know what, if you're leaving, I'm leaving, I'm not staying. Cause 
uh, I'd already seen a lot of things at that time that I didn't agree with at all (laughs) on a personal level, on a moral level. And, you know, I just, I was not going to stay. I was not going to stay anymore there. Uh, And it just felt like it was not the right thing to be there anymore. And it's interesting because all this stuff that's happened since with Trump and everything else, it's kind of mind blowing. Like the place that I see now is InfoWars is not the place that I worked at. It's a totally different place. It's a completely different place. It's a completely different seeming set of values. And I, at the time I was very naive Midwestern girl. I moved down there and I was like, I'm going to you know, be a reporter and I'm going to get fight for the truth. And I'm going to, you know, all this stuff. But, you know, it became pretty clear pretty early on that, you know, that place plays politics just like any place. And that's not what I wanted to do. So, you know, and that's not what Aaron's about either. And so when he left, I left and then we started, uh, we did, well, we actually didn't know what we were going to do. Um, we didn't have anything. <laughs> we were pretty much just like broke and thinking, I don't know what's going to happen now. <laughs> um, that was a pretty scary time actually. Um, but you know, we started, I mean, I already had true stream media as a tiny little blog. I had a YouTube channel with three subscribers and <laughs> which I think one was my mom. And, you know, so I'm saying like, there wasn't anything really there at all. And we just started trying to do the right thing. I mean, I guess I, it was just kind of like, we're going to do, we're going to tell the truth and we're going to be honest with people and we're going to try to do the right thing. And we're not yeah. going to take money from, you know, sponsors that are going to try and get us to promote a lot of crap that people don't need to buy. I hate doing that. Um, I'm not good at it anyway. So, you know, we don't sell water filters and, you know, scaremongering about, you know, FEMA camps and whatever. I mean, we just try to tell people the truth about things that we research and that's all we've ever tried to do. Um, we're not always right about everything all the time. I mean, who is, but we try to do the best we can to just get to the bottom of things and so at first, if you go back and look at the old true stream media, like from the first couple of years, it's all over the place because we're reporting on news and politics and food, a lot of food stuff. Cause for a while we talked about doing a movie about all the dangers of the things that are in the food and just all this stuff. We had no idea what to do. We were just kind of floating around and that's where that prayer came in. It was right after we got married and I, and I made, said that prayer and, um, and that's really when everything just became super concentrated and focused in this area. And then I realized through working on this movie that this is a really a spiritual battle. It really is. Um, and it's all connected. Like all of these things are connected and I'm so new to this that I, I, you know, there are a lot of people that are super handy with scripture and they can just, you know, belt off like what verse and chapter everything is. And I'm getting there because I'm, I'm doing a lot of reading. I read the Bible every, I try to read it every day. Um, but I'm still new but I can tell you that it's, it's like in my head, I can see where all of this stuff intersects and connects. I can see the various ways that certain things have been used to really get people on board. I'm even to the point of freaking out over things like the names of some of this technology, like the fact that they call it the cloud. I mean, it really seems to me that this entire grid, it's, it's, being created to make an omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient platform for something to come and run everything. Well, who else do we know that's omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient? <laughs> well, well, that would be God. Yeah. Uh, and when God tends to come in the Bible, a lot of times he comes in a cloud, doesn't he? 
So it's just like, wow, it's very interesting how they're naming some of this stuff even. I mean, right down to even the names of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It blows my mind. I I thought it was interesting that, you know, you brought up your, your, uh, I believe you said it was your father who was talking about there's no man in the cloud kind of deal. And here we are, we're creating some fantastical man in the cloud. (laughs) We are creating him. And there's actually that church out of Silicon Valley now that's going to worship AI as a God. Weirdly though, my dad, I will say this, my dad passed away. Like after we woke up and all this stuff happened, it was like, uh, our house started getting broken into. There's a lot like we quit Infowars, our house started getting broken into. Um, Aaron's dad suddenly passed away. Six months later, my dad suddenly passed away both at young ages for seemingly out of nowhere. I mean, just a lot of stuff has happened (laughs) since we've tried to go down this road. Uh, it's not for everyone. Um, But my dad, the one thing that's very interesting about him is even though he was agnostic, although I don't believe he knows what that actually meant or who started that, it was T.H. Huxley, (laughs) actually. Uh, But anyways, he was always reading Asimov and Bradbury and all of these science fiction writers, and Mm. he refused to put a computer in his house because wow. of all that he said, I know what's coming with that. He used to, he used to warn me. He was like, I know what's coming with that and it's not going to be good. Don't do it. Mm. And so even though he wasn't uh, into the spiritual side of things, he was definitely into the like society's going a bad way with this. And by the very end, he did buy a computer, but he never hooked it up. Mm. So <laughs> he just couldn't bring himself to do that it. Is, and wow. I just, I wish he had been alive to see this film because I think it would have answered all of his questions and it would have been, I would have been the one teaching him something for once about how things really are. But, um, yeah, uh, it's pretty intense. It's pretty insane. I mean, I keep saying insane and yet really it just, it follows all of, of the prophecy. Like when I started reading the Bible too, that's the thing I started reading it. I didn't, I didn't go about like some people probably sit down and they read it like straight through from cover to cover or something. I didn't. I was like, so what should I read first kind of thing? And I just waited for it to come to me. The first book I read was Revelation. Then I went back and read Genesis. And what's interesting is if you don't read anything else in that Bible at all, if you just read Genesis and you just read Revelation, what you'll notice right away is that uh, Satan seems to want to do everything that, that God wants to do, and it's happening kind of in reverse. So the very last, one of the very last things that happens is he breathes life into the beast, right? Mm -hmm. The image, yeah. The image of the beast, which is one of the first things God did with Adam, right? Yep. You know? That's right. Or just, I mean, and then, and then even before that, it talks about how people are going to have to go out to the wilderness. You know, is that because we have to get away from all this technology? I don't know, but I know that Exodus is one of the things that happened after Genesis, right? They had to get out to the wilderness and they had to have faith in God. So it's almost like in a way, a lot of the stuff that happens in in that first part, it starts happening in reverse in the second part. And if you just read it, it's like, you know what to do. It, It tells you exactly. The Bible really does tell you what to do in this time period. So if we're not living in that time period, I don't know. Cause it tells you what to do. It tells it gives you the warnings and it tells you what to do, you know, how to have faith, you know, protect your mind, have faith in God. I mean, there's a, it's pretty clear. And when I start talking like that, that's when people say you sound like a crazy religious <laughs> zealot, but whatever, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I'm, I, I been, like I mentioned earlier, I even started to fall prey to like the new age movement. Right. Cause I started going down that road. Cause like I said, I, I knew there was God, but I didn't know exactly what that was. 
And so then I started to fall into that. But then I started doing all this research and I found out who's been pushing the new age movement for the last hundred years, the Lucifer trust, which was started (laughs) by the Rockefeller foundation, which is bringing about the new world order. I mean, it's just kind of like it all, it just, you keep coming back to the same basic concepts over and over. It's kind of hard to deny it. Yeah. It becomes much clearer. It's all in your face and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious once you start going down that road and in, in the biblical context, you know, for me also was a big, component to helping understand all of what's going on. And and like you said, what to do, what kind of we need to do with the full armor of God and and all these concepts, but, but really it's a spiritual thing. And, and, you know, we're uh, running out of time here, but I do want to ask you a quick question. No, it's okay. Um, I know you had contacted Suzanne Trister and she's someone that (laughs) we had, uh, we had reported on because she was hired by CERN as a resident artist and her art Mm -hmm. is quite interesting, uh, a lot of cybernetic stuff, a lot of almost as if a, um, uh, someone who has been, uh, through a lot of the mind control stuff, just, you know, vomited their information onto uh, paper kind of thing going on. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah what was your experience with uh, reaching out to Suzanne Trister? Well, uh, I had started reading cause I saw some of her artwork and I was like, Oh, she seems to be the only pr- other person that intimately knows these cyberneticians from yeah. these meetings. And she seems to kind of know what's been going on with all of that. And I started reading some of her er- interviews that she did, you know, written interviews in, in, you know, little fringe magazines. And she talked about cybernetics being this theory of feedback and control. And it was their solution to creating this new world order and this control society and how the internet, you could increasingly view it as a giant cybernetic feedback loop of communication control. The first time I heard someone say that was her in an interview. And so we, we reached out to her because we were like, well, that's the one person we could actually, cause we didn't, here's the thing. Movie's already three hours and 42 minutes long. And we didn't want to interview a bunch of, you know, academics who are just going to spout off whatever they've been told, you know, cause they weren't there. So they don't actually know a lot of what was going on at that time. And they're just going to spout whatever the bottom line is. We don't need to waste screen time with that. I'd rather waste it on someone who's actually going to be able to talk about this topic intelligently. And so we reached out to her and, um, she was cordial in her writing us back, but she refused to do any kind of, you know, interview other than she said she would do a written interview with us perhaps, but she refused to do anything else. But when I saw that they had chosen her, uh, for this, uh, my, I saw your video on it. I was thinking it was you that you guys that did a video on it. And I saw that. And I mean, when I saw that, I will tell you my instant reaction was that my heart seemed to sink into the pit of my stomach. I was like, Oh wow. That's, that's a co-opting. Like I, I don't think my, my thoughts are that woman's probably going to come back changed. Mm-hmm. I don't know that she's going to be adhering to her same viewpoints after she leaves there. I, I just, that seems to be one of those re-education type of situations. Cause you know, CERN, that is, that's a topic I've done some research on, but on, I, I've got friends who that's their whole topic of, of research. And so I kind of stick with my niche and they've got their niche, but I have looked into that enough to know that, there's some pretty, pretty esoteric, you know, occult type of things going on with that place and what they oh, think yeah. they are trying to do. I mean, they have a Shiva statue out front, which is the destroyer, which is all about destroying the world to recreate it in a new view. Um, I know that there are people that have, have 
sent me images that are supposedly of these acceleration, you know, these explosions that happen in these accelerators, which seem to have creepy, almost faces or something. I don't know if that's true or not. It's just something that has been sent to me, pictures of these particle explosions that seem to look as though there's some kind of thing coming out of these areas. Mm. Um, I don't know about all of that, but I, I do know that, um, they seem to kind of always put the agenda out there. And when you listen to some of these certain scientists talk, they're openly talking about, you know, opening portals to other dimensions. And I mean, just like the stuff that they say they're doing, it's not, yeah. what I'm saying it. It's like the things they <laughs> exactly, admit that yeah. they're doing. You hear like, what? And then, um, when they built that tunnel, that underground tunnel over there and they had that tunnel opening yep, the, back in 2016. Yeah. Do you remember this ceremony where they openly have, you know, like a goat, yeah. dancing around doing yeah, some kind of bizarre. weird, like some of the creepiest things ever. And they're like, Oh, that's just a ceremony. We just invite heads of state to watch goats dance around <laughs> unclean spirits flying around. It's totally normal. This is nothing to do with anything. It's just, but it's, it's becoming blatant and in your face these days. I mean, yeah. It's just, it's becoming really blatant. So whatever. And, and CERN kind of ties in back to that whole United Nations because mm-hmm. it's a United global science project. That's very secretive about some of the things that they're doing. And it, you know, the Bilderberg group talks about them and some of their writings back in, you know, from the sixties and things like that. I mean, it's, it's all tied in. <laughs> I, I know, I know that. So, yeah. Um, well, again, Oh, go ahead. No, please. I was just going to say some of the first particle accelerators were also funded by the Rockefeller Foundation. That's Woo! it. All keeps coming back to the same place, you guys. It's pretty crazy. Just making all the fun stuff happen, man. They really are. They're just bringing it all about. <laughs> when was, I heard wow. from another third party, and we'll wrap with this. But the, the, the third party person talked recently about how, and I again, I didn't hear this firsthand, so somebody can verify it or not. But somebody said that Alex Jones was on air saying that all oh, the Rothschilds have changed their mind and they're going to release all you know the money to the world. And <laughs> I, I don't know if this is true, but oh, I heard this from another share source, this so. post on oh, Facebook, please. and the Rothschilds will give you, you know, a million dollars. <laughs> a million dollars. You know, somebody sent me a post the other day that Alex Jones was doing a video earlier this year where he talked about how the elites are just trying to keep us from ascension. Uh, so they're just trying to keep us from accessing the higher realms of our consciousness. Mm. And I didn't watch the video. Somebody sent me a link and I saw the title and I went, Oh really? Like (laughs) funny how that, that new age propagandist idea of this, they're just trying to keep us from the secret information, you know, (laughs) of the higher realms that we can't access. Uh, yeah, that that's that blew my mind that he's even he he also is going there just like everyone else. I mean, if it's such a secret, how come everyone seems to know about it and it's being propagated and pushed everywhere? Yeah. You know, that's the whole thing with that new age stuff. They're always like, oh, it's it's the secret, it's the occult secret knowledge of your Christ consciousness or something like that. It's like it's not really that much of a secret if everybody's talking about it, everyone <laughs> knows about it, and it's being promoted through the entire independent media. It's not really it's not really in a secret at that point. You know, I mean, give me a break, you know, look at what isn't being promoted. I'll tell you what's really not being promoted, uh, reading the actual Bible for yourself. I've never seen anyone (laughs) promote that. Churches don't even promote that. So, (laughs) um, maybe look into the thing that isn't being promoted everywhere you turn around. Cause that whole new age movement and, and all of that higher realms of consciousness talk is being pushed and promoted 
literally out of every pore of society right now. Um, it's pretty insane. So, yeah. 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 Well, Melissa, thank you so much. I mean, this has just been such an absolute pleasure and I'm going to just, just tell everybody right now, they got to go check out the movie. They got to check out your YouTube channel. I mean, you have so much information out there that, uh, the time that we have today only scratches very limited parts the limited amount that uh, is that we could fit into this amount of time. And <laughs> that was the most complicated way for me to say that uh, I look forward to looking into uh, your, your guys' stuff a lot more. Can you give people uh, links and, and addresses and, yeah. and phone numbers and, and PO boxes <laughs> and all PO the things boxes. they need to do to get um, a hold of you? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, the movie is the minds of That's the website that you can find all the ways that you can get the movie. Um, the YouTube channel is youtube.com slash true stream media. The website is truestreammedia.com, but it was hacked really bad a couple of oh, weeks ago. Bummer. Yeah. I've had a lot of bad luck with technology lately on some things. So, um, so the website right now is kind of a placeholder there until I can get around to fixing it and trying to bring back some of our six and a half years of content. Um, but yeah, I was super hacked to the point that even my hosting company couldn't help me. So that's wow. no good. Uh, PO box one, one, four, zero Hutto, Texas, seven, eight, six, three, four is our PO box. And, uh, yeah, so really, uh, we also have Patreon, patreon.com slash true stream media. We are working on the preliminary stages of the second film now. So we are trying to move ahead with everything happening as it's happening. We'll see what, what happens, but there's more to the story, obviously. Awesome. So that's what's going on right now. So that's where you can find us. And we're just going to keep going until, uh, I guess until I have to put a computer in my brain and then I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> right, then you will have no choice. <laughs> that's right. So oh, that's so um, great. Well, thank you so much again for sharing your story and for sharing all this information with us. And again, I recommend everybody go check out uh, the website and the movie and, uh, you know, everything there is to consume. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of great information out there. You get a lot from here and there's a lot more uh, to absorb as you explore the mind control universe of the Internet. <laughs> and uh, so, again, thanks so much, Melissa. Yeah, thank Thanks, you. Melissa. There you have it. Wow. Melissa from Truthstream Media. We are so happy to have gotten her on the show. We actually recorded this, uh, I think, before the Bundy episode or soon yeah, after. It was before. Um, it was before. So we've been sitting on this one and we're so excited to have gotten it out. Hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Yeah. And maybe next time Aaron can come on as well. Cool. And just to run through uh, some things real quick, show's not over, folks. Head over to facebook.com slash community. Start a conversation. Connect with Canarians just like you. Don't worry. It's not one of those Facebook groups that's scary and intimidating and stuff that you don't want to be associated with <laughs> that, you know, that pops up every once in a while. You got to watch out. Uh, but the Canary Cry community, great place to go connect with other Canarians and get the stuff you crave. Also, here's the thing. We didn't talk about it at the top of the episode, but Gans and I have started. That's right. A Twitch channel. Ooh. I think we've mentioned it before. If you're in, if you listen to Canary Cry News Talk or 
really consume any of our other media. You've heard heard us talk about it, (laughs) but we're doing it. We're starting the Twitch channel. Gons and I will be playing video games and analyzing, exposing, uh, and just generally talking about the messaging that goes into these games, the symbolism that's found in video games. And uh, also, you get to see how bad Gons is at video games, how fantastic (laughs) I am at video games and that's sure to, uh, to inspire some fun times. Oh Um, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe we'll, we'll play basketball game for you and you can show the fans just how good you are at basketball game. <laughs> I plan to make the, uh, the esports Olympics at some point in oh, life. This is a uh, talked about that. Yeah, this is where did. the whole I, idea stemmed from. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's the moment we discussed that on Canary cry news talk was the yeah. moment I thought, Hey, why not? <laughs> That's right. So we're doing it. And here's the thing, people. Some of you have heard me say it before, but I am asking a personal favor, a personal favor for your buddy, Basil. Can you go to twitch.tv slash canarycryradio? That's twitch.tv slash canarycryradio. Again, I understand you don't want anything to do with video games, but for me, people, for <laughs> me, please go follow Canary Cry Radio on the Twitch because what it does, just like everything else, when people follow our channel, it shows our channel to other people. And this is a way for us to reach a younger audience, a video game playing audience. So, you know, uh, four years old through 65 years old (laughs) nowadays. That's just how it is. Um, This is another avenue, another not only audience who we are hoping to reach, but also a genre of content that is just waiting to be analyzed and exposed. And, uh, you know, we got to know what's getting put in our kids' heads, man. And if you want to see it and hear it from your buddies, go to twitch.tv slash Canary Cry Radio. We gotta, we gotta, you know, try to stay young while we can, you know, because uh, it, it ain't, I know. it ain't staying young. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to fast. get Gons uh, <laughs> up this to is, speed with what the youngsters are up yeah, to. Yeah, this is like, um, I feel like, you know, at the end of that Avengers movie where everyone's turning into sand, fading, like, away. fading away. I feel like you're, you're <laughs> grasping at me, like, hey, the children don't go, here, Gons. I'm sorry, Thanos got you. Um, so there you go, everybody. Thank you so much. I so much appreciate it. Some of you are already on Twitch. And if not, head over there. It takes like three clicks. Make an account real quick and follow Canary Cry Radio. Even if you don't watch our stream, which you're definitely going to want to because it's going to be great. You know, just the act of following our channel will attract uh, more of the types of people that we're hoping to reach. And, uh, you know, it's a great place to bring the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. I was just, I'm, I appreciate you uh, doing a little write-up under each one of these things on the Twitch channel there. And I was just reading some of the stuff. Hey, good, good job there. Thank you. Thank you very much. Also, hey, if you're looking for more Basil and Gons, you can head over. Make sure to check out Canary Cry News Talk. It's other news with Canary Cry views. You're going to love it. We've pushed it so much. You, you just need to do it. I don't understand why people aren't <laughs> listening to that show. It's like my favorite show. It's very consistent, too. We're already up to 116 episodes. We are incredibly consistent, both (laughs) with the uh, podcast itself and the bonus material. And real quick, just to fly through it, the Joyspiracy theory, 
my podcast I do. I bring on listeners. We talk about all sorts of things. You hear people's stories, hear people's troubles, hear people's joys, and it ultimately ends up in with, tears. Uh, <laughs> Always tears. in tears. There, there's surprisingly a lot of tears for a show called The Joy Spiracy Theory. Um, and Gons, of course, the the shining light of my life, Face Like the Sun <laughs> YouTube channel. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I feel like every time I mention it, it just hurts your feelings. So I'll just... No, uh, no I'm just very passionate about it. I <laughs> want everybody to go experience it. I appreciate okay, that. Okay, and lastly, this is we've done some long... We just have so many announcements now, but... It's just one big commercial about us. Yeah, well, you get a bunch of... All the good stuff is in the middle of the episode. This is just the crest. You know, some people <laughs> like the crest pizza crest it's good um anyways okay patreon.com slash canary cry radio here's the thing this show is only possible it only continues because listeners just like you yes you the one listening to this you are the one who has the opportunity to help this show continue so we can uh, be a little bit more consistent <laughs> and uh you know that there's expenses involved there's babies to feed there's cats to pet everybody you can pet my cat you just head over to patreon.com slash canary cry radio there's bonus episodes there's discord content there's live streams there's ah uh, there's just so much stuff there's stickers and journals and uh, just so much fun Head over to patreon.com slash canary cry radio. Buddy Basil and, and Guy Gons. Guy Gons. Oh, I thought you were going to call Gons. me Grumpy or, or Grandpa. Oh, oh, yeah. Grandpa Gons. Grandpa Gons. Grandpa Gons it's needs his medication, folks. That, it's, 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 it's going there quick. <laughs> Hopefully not too quick. And, of course, we have our bonus episodes that are coming out weekly now over at the Patreon, Canary Cry Conversations. That's where you get to hear all the conversations that Gons and I have off the show. It is such an eclectic number of things we talk about. It's very fun. I, it's hard to explain. You just have to going to get in on it. And we also do a Discord live stream while recording that show so we can what? interact. We do something live? I know we've we've just jumped in with both feet on this live thing. We hardly know what we're doing on this live stream stuff, but it's fun. We're doing it. We're interacting with listeners. And uh, like I said before, if we ever figure out the, the glitches in the system, we're going to bring on listeners on to Canary Cry Conversations to chat with us. It's a good time. So head on over to patreon.com slash Canary Cry Radio. Okay, Gons, we finally made it through the longest. In oh, I forgot something. Okay, <laughs> this is an important one. Okay, I'm okay. sorry. If, you've, if you're still here, if you made it, God bless you. God bless you so much. We have been working on another podcast. Now, don't worry. This one's going to come out in seasons. So you're not going to have to, it's not going to interfere with anything we already do. We are working on, along with a very good friend and much smarter person than us, uh, we're working on another podcast that is very much Bible-based, which I think all of our podcasts are, but uh, it's we're going to be examining Scripture, exploring Scripture, along with current events and current problems that we all have in 2018. You're going to love it. And uh, I'm just teasing it. You're going to hear more in upcoming episodes. And you can look forward to that around January. So start getting pumped, people. That's all I'm going to say. 
Yeah, good stuff, man. Again, food for the brain. Food for the brain and the soul and the tummy. All the above. Edible podcast. And the heart. It, and it, the it heart. covers all of it. It's got whole grains. <laughs> okay, that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. And here's the thing. You got friends who aren't listening to Canary Cry Radio. Maybe you're afraid to uh, kind of step out and be bold with kind of kind of some of your more fringy thoughts. But here's the thing. Maybe drop a couple hints. Maybe invite a couple people. Send an episode. The Bundy episode is great. This episode is fantastic. Go on out there and rattle some cages. I want to shake things up, stir up some controversy, rattle a few cages. Don't ever silence me. I'm the last angry man, a crusader for the little guy. Leave the bird alone. Never. Rattle a few cages. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Make sure to tune in next time. But until then, think outside the cage. <laughs>